Happy Christmas, everybody. It's episode 117 of the Warhammer 40,000 podcast, which goes by the identity of Look Out, Sir. My name is Dan, and it's that bit at the beginning of the show where I introduce my good buddy, Phil. Happy Christmas, Phil. How's you doing? Not too bad, thank you. Uh, happy Christmas to, to yourself and to our loyal listeners. Uh, and our not-so-loyal listeners. Exactly. If you frequent us, uh, you know, on occasion, if we are your um, hmm, listen buddies occasionally, you know, you you slide in and out from time to time, you know, a, a, a booty listener, so to speak, then you can... <laughs> That's a very, uh, you know, garbled reference you've gone for there, mate. But I understand the kind of broad uh, intent behind it. You know, I think you uh, you when, might not have landed it as well as you would have hoped to, but exactly. you, know, it, when, you got the point across. When you get when you get the urge for some 40K podcasts, you, you, t- you hit us up, you tap that button and you download us and give us a listen. Exactly, exactly. Use us and abuse us and discard us with... All the relative, you know, indifference that you might expect from that sort of uh, occurrence. God bless. Um, but yeah, so it's Christmas time. And, you know, this is a really exciting time of the year for a number of reasons. It's obviously a time of celebrations, but it's also a great time for reflection. And that is very much what we are attempting to do with the contents of episode 117. Because what are we doing, Phil? Uh, we're going to take a, a look back, casting our eyes and our ears and our memory back to January and the following 12 months therein. Uh, so we're just going to talk about 40k for the last year, what we thought about it, whether we thought it was good, whether we thought it wasn't good. I mean, it does tie in somewhat to our recap of ninth edition episode. Um, but we're going to talk a bit more broader this time. We're going to talk about the models, the range releases, all the books that have come out and everything else. So um, we were going to also do predictions for 2022. Um, but basically, uh, spoilers, we've already recorded the recap section and it's pretty long. So we're going to do that probably in the new year episode, which yeah. makes more sense. Yeah, that's the that's the general plan. And, you know, you might hear it in my voice. I'm not feeling exactly tip top right now. So I have uh, I have decided that I'm going to be lame and be like, I can't I can't put this on for uh, more than an intro and a little bit of an outro. Um, So there we go. We're going to get around to talking about 2022 in the confines of 2022. Um, But for now, we're going to transition across to our Christmas Day five-star review. Peter, Peter. Oh, oh hello, What Dad. are you doing in here, son? Oh, I'm, I'm what just... have I told you about wasting your time with these little plastic figurines? It's not a waste of time. I like it. How dare you talk back to me, Peter? Oh. It's about time you grew up. I don't want to grow up. Oh, man, maybe there's something on the radio. Yeah, this is nicer. Peter, Peter. What's... What's that? That's right, it's me, the ghost of a warm-winning TV and radio presenter, Jeremy Beadle. Jeremy Beadle? Yeah, that's right. Wow. Now let me tell you here, Sonny, my dad was always telling me to grow up, and what? I never did. And look how successful I was. 
So ignore him, Peter, and keep playing with that little plastic crack. And while you're at it, listen to the Lookout Sir podcast, which Whoa. right now is time for the five-star review. Wow, thanks, Jeremy. Who are you talking to with that, son? Jeremy Beadle. What? No! This week's five-star review comes from where might you expect Philip? I'm gonna guess um, Apple Podcasts of the Americas. Oh, oh, oh! No, it was Great Britain, wasn't it? No, 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 no! It was uh, Apple Podcasts for certain, um, but it's the land down under once again, Phil. Ooh. Those beautiful Australian peeps uh, are, you know, supporting, listening, and/or leaving. Five-star reviews for our, uh, you know, pleasure, I suppose. So, yeah, this review comes from an individual called Quiz In Over or Quiz I Nova or Quiz Inova. I'm not entirely sure what the exact pronunciation is supposed to be of this individual, but they come via Apple Podcasts of Australia and they say 40K crowd favourite, 5 Stars, which is of course a prerequisite of appearing in this five star review segment. Joy to the world. What's the next line of that statement in the context of Christmas? Joy to the world. Da, 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 da. Do you know what that is, Phil? I'm afraid I don't know. Is it the king is born, the savior's here? It's some kind of uh, that statement that sounds Miguel's... quite correct. Yes, yes. All the same, 40k, crowd favourite, five-star review from Australia. Let's get into it. Found this show a few months back, and I'm happy to say it's become a favourite to listen to while painting or long drives. That's fair, that's fair. I also would enjoy listening to this podcast while painting or doing long driving. Um, And in some instances... I do. Let's say do, do you do you sometimes do driving and painting at the same time? I've never combined the two crafts. I imagine if I was to purchase myself one of those swanky Tesla vehicles that perchance with its self-driving functionality I would be able to potentially attempt such a thing. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately I haven't got the budget as of yet to purchase said Tesla and as a result I'm merely having to imagine what that's like as opposed to having lived it directly myself. How about you, Phil? You you, you tried to combine the two? I mean, you don't even drive, so I mean, no, it'd be quite I a mean, feat. I could be driven uh, because that's normally my mode of transport and I could, I guess, paint in the passenger seat. Uh, so could. that is a way, of, uh, a way to do it. Absolutely. What kind of app? Anyway, look, we're not going to get into this. There's a review to be reviewing. Um, I was going to ask you about anyway. No, moving on. Uh, Dan and Philip have a great chemistry. Do you like that, Phil? Great, great chemistry. Lies. Uh, I know it's terrible, terrible nonsense. And episode 100 was a great mix of laughs and useless 40k knowledge. Honestly, who knew the 100 inch range questions? Um, I mean, that was actually, I remember that. That was uh, one of Richie's quiz questions, wasn't it? About what weapons had range 100. It was, uh, 
I can't even remember now, and we obviously answered it at the time, or rather were given the answer at the time. It's yeah. all left my brain already. Uh, yeah, yeah, I suspect it will be a Ford World unit of some kind. Probably some kind of laser beam thingamabib on a big thing. Anyway, if you're from the US and my review doesn't give you enough info, they're like the English version of Danny and John from Mob Rules. Do you know Danny and John from Mob Rules? No. You never heard of that? I've never heard of that. I'm just going to quickly... The, the name sounds familiar, but I've never actually listened to them. Oh, they're also a 40k podcast. We've got we should have better awareness of these guys, clearly, because they, uh, they're they in the business of doing what we do. Did How you... incredibly, you know, big time of us not to acknowledge our uh, our other podcast you know, content creators. We're uh, we're just we're we're just out of touch, mate. Exactly, in our own little bubble. It's terrible business. I'm going to check them out for sure. Anyway, keep it up, lads, as it gives me something to look forward to when it's been a quite have been a quite or difficult day. Okay, fair enough. Uh, also, your next quiz definitely should add who Uriel. Uh, sorry, who who Uriel Ventress. Arch Nemesis is not that I'm a common Ultramarine player. Right, okay. So he wanted us to ask questions about Uriel Ventress in our next quiz. I mean, we recorded what will be our 40k quiz of the year weekend just gone. And Uriel Ventress did appear as the answer to one of the questions. He did, yeah. But that but, was, yeah, not for a question. Oh, so there was a community round as well, so he, um, this individual had his chance to uh, Old, ask uh, us yeah. that question. Quizzing over, he could have uh, swooped in there and given us the uh, given us the question in that context. But clearly, they'd assumed that by putting it in the five star review segment that they had satisfied whatever criteria was uh, well. Required, um, well, so, suffice it to say, it's a law question. No one will get it. Except oh, Joe. maybe Joe. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He might know. Yeah. Although, to be fair, he probably will half get the answer and then Richie will just give it to him anyway because. Yeah, exactly. Probably Orc War Boss and then Richie would have already given him the points at that yes. point. No yes. name needed. That's how it rolls. Not that we're bitter or biased or. Uh, you know, attempting to offer any spoilers to anything. Who knows how that whole quiz played out? But um, yeah, watch out for it. It was a it was a fun old time. Uh, but that'll be coming out next weekend, um, assuming that I can maintain the wherewithal to edit it all over the course of the coming days. But I'm hopeful that I'll feel better soon, and then and then I'll just be able to smash it out over the course of the next week. Um, so that'll be fine. I believe I've also got to record a bunch of scorekeeper segments still, uh, which is a thing that I need to do. So yeah, got to crack on with that at some point uh, in the coming days to get all that stuff sorted. But there we go. Thank you very much for your review. It's hugely appreciated. And thank you to everyone who listens and supports the show. If you would like to be like Quizanova and leave us a review of your own, please consider doing so. And we will promise to read out your review here within the five-star review segment at some point in the future. But to take us home and thank 
quiz Anova in yet more detail. Here's Phil. Thank you, Quizanova. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you, just specifically you. Uh, thank you for your review. It's very kind of you. Thank you for the question that we don't know the answer to, so sorry about that. Glad you enjoyed the last quiz from the uh, episode 100. You'll enjoy the Lookout Sir 40k end of the year quiz, which, as Dan said, is coming out next week. Head over to YouTube, though, to watch that because we've actually filmed it, which I don't think we've really qualified very much unless you've watched the 2019 version, which we also did. And if you haven't watched that one, you should go back and watch it immediately because actually it's pretty good fun. Yeah, um, no, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks very much. Appreciate your review. Uh, and yeah, keep an eye out for the next quiz. Absolutely. Well, there we go. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. Maybe consider buying some merchandise. Speaking of merch, did you like my Space Vampires t-shirt? I mean, I did, but, you know, did anyone else? I think a few people said, yeah, that's cool. I think maybe we we put it up on the the store. Why not, eh? Why not? It's low effort to do. Make it so. It's pseudo print on demand, isn't it? Do you want to bring it to life ahead of, uh, you know, this uh, podcast going out into the world? Or do you think that's just too last minute now? Uh, it should be doable. All I need to do, I guess, is email the guy the file, right? So, and yeah, whether yeah. he can do it in time is the question. I mean, yeah, have a word. See what can be done. We'll try and get it up. There we go. Oh, yeah. All right. Brilliant. There we go. Let's get on with it. Transitional noise. Twenty twenty one, a year ever etched in our minds for a variety of reasons, but we're going to talk about the Warhammer forty thousand related reasons why we think that twenty twenty one was seemingly significant. Um, noting that obviously there are other things that will have impacted people during the course of 2021, but this isn't a podcast about those things. This is a Warhammer 40,000 podcast. So myself and Phil, hello, Phil. Hi, uh, can I just interrupt one thing? Is, is your mic the right way around? My mic's the right way around, yeah, why? Uh, do, do the buttons go sideways normally? Why, well, um, it was a good intro, Phil. I'm going to have to stop it now to answer your questions. Sorry, because um, you just sound a little bit different, so I was wondering if it's because your mic's rotated the wrong way. How does that sound? Does that sound better? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Weird. I might have changed the settings. I thought always that you were supposed to talk to the side of these. Um, well, I could be misinformed. <clears throat> well, I think what you don't want is it rotated around the wrong way. So you don't want the in bit here but you want to sort of talk still in that direction, but just off. How about that? Is that better? Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good? Yeah. All right, let's try that again. All right. Let's try that again. 2021, a year etched in everyone's minds for a variety of reasons, mostly because if you're listening to this, you probably lived through it and are continuing to do so at the point in which this podcast came out. Words. At the point of which this podcast has come out, but it is coming to a conclusion soon, and we are going to look back upon the events of 2021 and reflect upon them through the prism, the filter of Warhammer 40,000. Because obviously, a great many things happened in 2021, but obviously, that is of little consequence to us 
a Warhammer 40,000 podcast. So myself and Phil, hello, Phil. Hello. Are going to take the time to reflect on the events of 2021 within the confines of the 40k hobby and essentially express our thoughts, feelings and general stuff on the topic that was 2021. So broad and expansive opportunity for discussion, Phil. But as always, I like to just, you know, throw you in the deep end and essentially have you establish the uh, beginnings of the conversation. What is the main thing from a 40K perspective that you think about when you think about the year 2021? Um, Probably the lack of Codex releases. The lack, Phil? We've had so many. I know, but there's still so many to go. Codex Death Guard, Codex Dark Angels, Codex Drakari, Codex Adeptus Mechanicus, Codex Adeptus Sororitas, Codex's Thousand Sons and Codex Grey Knights, which kind of were like a double header, uh, Codex Orcs and Black Templars. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine Codex releases. That's almost one per month, minus obviously, you know. No, no. I mean, do. back in the days of 6th and 7th edition, that is positively outstanding because you'd normally get one every four months. Yeah, it was uh, quite a uh, a sparse release schedule back in those days. Yeah, however, in the in the days of eighth edition, what is now the glory the glory days, I guess. Um, really, you would you would be getting a, a couple of uh, a couple couple a month quite easily, if if not more, because they they knocked all of theirs out in the span of like what just over a year, I think it was. Yeah, it was close to two years, I want to say. The uh, the book dropped, uh, or rather, um, 8th edition came out in 2017. Uh, and I feel like they had pretty much released every codex by the end of 2019. Because if you remember, the Adeptus, Soror- the Adeptus Sororitas, the, the Sisters of Battle, came as kind of like the big Christmas release of... Of, of 2019 but go, certainly going into 2020 they had done everything so realistically that was actually closer to two and a half years um but they definitely had more of a kind of regular cadence but then surely that's you know a pandemic related scenario because quite honestly we almost certainly would have had codex uh custodies or whatever it's called now is it custodies or is it talons of the Empire? Uh, i think it's still called custodies even though okay. i I think you can run them as talents of the emperor. Fine. So sisters are incorporated into it. The sisters of silence, I mean, but they're still calling it custodies. Anyway, the point is, is that GSE and, and custodies would have probably have come out by now, had it not been for the, you know, things, but, uh, but obviously that isn't what happened. Although arguably, I believe that codex death guard and dark angels would have come out in the year 2020, had it not been for all that stuff as well. So I suppose, you know, it's kind of like when you uh, it's a bit of a, carry just a over knock-on effects. Yeah, it's like when you carry over holiday days into a new year. If you keep doing that in perpetuity, it's like you may as well have just taken the days in the first case. I don't know. That's a weird example. Yeah, when uh, when you, once you've reached your limit, you can't really um, get any more. That's it. Um, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily have. I think the release schedule is being pretty strong. However, I do think people are feeling it more. Obviously, I think that's, you know, the, let's say the elephant in the room, the power creep, the disparity between the um, new codexes versus the old ones. Uh, well, 
What's super interesting about this year as well, though, right? If we go back over the Codex releases, right? Death Guard, what new models did Death Guard get? Um, they got that one captain and the... Oh, it, it was in quiz. Uh, it, the furnace thing. The furnace thing. The thing that we all wanted to call the furnace, but it's called like a miasma fire or something yes, really stupid yeah. like that. Yeah, so they got two things. They got a fortification and uh, a Terminator chap with a flamer. Dark Angels? What new models did Dark Angels get? Oh, do you know what? Nothing. Nothing. Correct. You're absolutely right. Oh, right. So they got this is they got this is this is a quiz I can do. Maybe we get you <laughs> to do next year's quiz. Well, I'd probably be a little bit fairer with the scorekeeping, but uh, we'll talk about that later on, uh, or potentially we've already talked about it. Um, but the point is, is that um, yeah. So like Lazarus, who was the Primaris uh, captain who had joined the uh, the uh, the Death Wing, the Inner Circle. He was released with, uh, I think it was Nexus he came out with, or one of the earlier um, Dark Angel-related um, uh, Psychic Awakening books. But yeah, as a result, no new Dark Angel model whatsoever for Dark Angels. Well, um, you, you kind of did. You got Terminators, because they just made them good. Well, that's true. That is true. They made Terminators good. Fantastic. Um, you know, Dark Angel players got access to... Was there anything that Dark Angel players couldn't use before? Maybe Centurions? I don't know if they couldn't do Centurions before. No. Or maybe they did at the end of 8th edition, give them access to Centurions. Yeah, I think I think it was more Death Watch that got the kind of access to everything. I don't Yeah, think... yeah, yeah. Maybe Death Watch had a few things because they effectively became... They all moved from uh, like a unique codex to a codex supplement. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they did add a few things, but I feel like in 8th edition they gave them access to a lot of stuff anyway. Uh, Drakari, what new models did Drakari get, Phil, in the course of 2021? Nothing, because they got Lilith, which they had already. Yes, so they got a re-release of a model that they already had access to. Uh, Adeptus Mechanicus. Wait, I'm thinking about it. They got the Skatari Marshal. They did get the Skatari Marshal, so they got one character. um, So there's that. Uh, Adeptus Sororitas or Adeptus Sororitas, they actually got quite a sizable release. They were one of the big releases. Yeah. Um, so they got their new um, more Van Val. They got more Van Val, and then they got the the mechanized uh, infantry kind of mini Walker uh, things. The Nundam, the Nundam uh, squad, as they call them, after the Gundam, but obviously Nundam, very clever. Um, what else did they get? They got the the, the ancient. Uh, they got the war suits, uh, Celestine Sacrosants. Uh, That's right. The Dog Martyr. Uh, yeah. And as part of um, Kill Team, they got what was it called again? They got a tank as well. Novitiates. Uh, oh yeah, they yes, the they also got the tank as well. Yeah. Yeah. That seemingly no one thinks is any good because i've not seen one anywhere up to this point but maybe actually, i'm not used in the... does that actually come out now it must have by now because i remember it was well has that tank like... actually not been released yet do you know what i i have a sneaky feeling there might not i mean it's not so i'm looking at the list of models they've released this year that came on the um uh quit quit not quiz the uh pick, pick your model for for the year. No, no, it's here. The Castigator uh, is uh, £52.50. Hmm. God, that's pricey. 
Um, but yeah, you yeah. Can, it, you I can think it, that that came out much later than all the others. Oh um, yeah, yeah. From was, what I remember, a, yeah. it didn't it come out at the same time. You know, the weird thing is though with the Adeptus or Adeptus, sorry, God cops say it probably the Adeptus Aurora release. <coughs> yeah, it didn't really feel that significant, and even though it got loads of stuff, I think it's because of the way that it was kind of like a wave two to an already massive release. Um, and I also think mm. it's to do with when Sisters effectively kind of came out into the world of, of gaming because because all of us were kind of locked away for the entirety in most cases of 2020. I mean, you know, a, a select few were out there playing in events and things, but the majority of us probably thought better of it and, and, and kept our distance. Um but the point is, is that, you know, Adeptus Aurorotus didn't really get a lot of play early ninth edition. And even if they did, you probably weren't around to see it. But obviously by the time that Adeptus Aurorotus were a thing was kind of around the time where we had started going back out there and, and, and playing in events again. And I think weirdly, it's like, it, it felt unremarkable because it was almost like Sisters of Battle had always been like this, like Sisters of Battle always had access to this stuff. It It was a weird release. It just didn't quite, resonate the way as other things may have done i don't know what did you think about well it's i think the um the first initial release was effectively just redoing all the old metal stuff so Mm. what people were initially rocking was potentially the same armies they already had they just re-bought them in plastic but i think most Mm. of them uh, most people were new players uh there was also a quick point there was also astrid and uh agathea the um the, the two banner bearers Yes, or the yeah, band yeah, bear yeah. and the old lady. Um, yeah, there was that as well. Uh, this one, I, I actually thought it was quite a strong release as like a, as a new wave of like new units and new minis. I think that actually took people by surprise. I think it probably actually disappointed a lot of people as well because it wasn't what people were expecting. People wanted the. Um, I'm trying to think what it's called now. Uh, the Forge World, I was say the, not Repulsor, Retributor, something like that. The Forge okay. World Rhino Repressor, that was it. I'm sure that's what mm. it's called. So the, they used to do a Forge World Rhino like upgrade kit, mm. uh, like troop transport thing, which was sisters specific. And when they teased the Castigator, a lot of people assumed it would be that, and it wasn't. So people were like, oh. I don't want a battle tank. Like that's not how sisters play. Um, but I think other people totally embraced it. The war suits again, very marmite. Like mm. I, some people were like, what is this? And other people are like, this is amazing. And you know, I think I a bit hesitant, but also fell on the. It looks cool, right? Like, uh, and I still think they're cool. I think I'd uh, if I was to do sisters, I'd just be buying um, more Van Vale and a bunch of those, and that would be it. Or... Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely cool minis. Um, you know, I've heard some people critique how uh, how broken their uh, their hips would become if they were uh, trying to kind of yeah. I mean, that's 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 things, the but... same argument about you know terminators mm. being bent over all the time to actually fit their shoulders where they need to be in the head where the head is. Yes, um, yeah, I think absolutely. those kind of leaps of faith always need to exist. To an extent, I mean, that's the thing. It it anatomically looks correct on the model. How it actually moves is another thing, and you won't ever see that unless they do like an animation. Uh, yeah, and it. then 
presumably the animator will make relevant uh you know changes to make that figure work better in animation than it might do as a as a miniature yeah you know? i mean i wouldn't be too surprised if when they create these they actually do try and logistically make sure they can be animated because they know most of their ip ends up in you know video games and stuff at some point mm-hmm. it would make sense that you would sort of do a sanity check on this thing and not just be like here's a cool pose does it actually work if i move this knee joint a bit <laughs> yeah potentially but yeah, either way, um, yeah, I was relatively underwhelmed by the Sororitas release, not because, you know, I'm innately negative about these things. I just think, again, it was just more for me about the the cadence of the release and the fact that we had just come off the back of a significant Sisters release. And it didn't really feel like a lot of time had passed between the the Wave 1 and the subsequent Wave 2. But I mean, obviously, a lot of the stuff that came in this release was super successful because you know, every sister's army that I've seen is rocking the, uh, the Celestin Sacrosense and the, uh, the, um, the Morgan Val. Um, obviously the, the tank has been a lot less. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times have you seen that about? I've never seen it. I've yeah. never seen it. Although I argue it's actually potentially a very, very good option. I mean, certainly there would be a real argument uh, in my mind for doing a kind of armored division sister's army where you were taking uh the um uh the castigator the um, um uh, what's it called the, the immolator uh immolator. yeah yeah uh, the flame yeah. version yeah yeah and then there's the the the, the organ one the um exorcist uh, the exorcist thank you mm. so yeah like i don't know like a tank division made up of uh of a bunch of those would be super cool although uh yeah, they could be pricey. But yeah, look, I mean, Sister's fine, whatever, right? Like, I mean, you know, it, it definitely feels like, I don't know, it, it didn't feel super remarkable to me, but I, I get it for Sister's players. It, it, it yeah, I, I think the uh, slightly adjacent to this is it was sort of around the Sister's book and Death Guard when we started to get the Warzone books. Mm. And it was like, here's my codex that's just come out. Here's all these extra rules. Sort of for my well, for not for my codex per se, but for my army that's in a codex that I've just bought. Now mm. I also have to buy um, a Warzone book, which I thought probably again I didn't mind it. I thought the price of the first two books were pretty steep. At mm. least it went down slightly um, in subsequent releases, um, but I didn't mind the separation of the rules personally. Uh, but I knew it annoyed a lot of people, and there was a lot of hubbub online about it <laughs> we love our hubbub i mean yeah i get it i mean the war zone books is a is a topic all of on or you know all of its own so uh we'll, we'll we'll get to that in a in a moment but yeah i mean sisters release fair enough substantial uh gray knights what do they get phil they got castellan chrome so basically nothing uh, well uh, yeah and uh uh true scaled version of a pre-existing character yes yeah and again like not even a primaris fied version of himself well, because... pri- primaris scale but not in actuality because he's yes he's old school marine still yeah so gray knights uh, they didn't get anything thousand sons oh it is hold on if i can remember it's something master not warp master it is not a warmaster. No, no, it was something else. No. It was the um, 
Infernal Master, something oh, like that. Oh yeah, wasn't it? no, I think I think you're right. Yeah, the, um... yeah, something in that something in that ballpark. But um, again, oh yeah, Infernal Master, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a mini that I have not seen any Thousand Sun player rocking just yet. I've seen a few Thousand Sun players since the the Codex dropped, and I have not seen any sign of the Infernal Master. Um, I'm actually looking at the GW website right now. It doesn't even look like you can buy him as part of the Thousand Suns. No, because those two uh, came out exclusively in, I can't remember what it's called now, the box set. Oh, yeah. And well, that probably So that's why, why it's locked away, um, because you can only... It, it's the same with the upcoming... Oh, no, it's actually out now. The um, uh, Custodies and Gene Steel Cult. So that model will be only available in that box. For like a year, I guess, and then normally, mm. so sometime next year, they're two separate releases uh, for those. So, I guess it's that thing of out of people that own Thousand Sun armies, how many of them really want to buy a box full of models that they probably already own just to get a character? I think a lot of people would probably just, um, if they don't need any more, you know, regular Marines, just try and get a split off of ebay or someone else that's that's bought the box because yep. it's it, yep. it's cheaper to pay it slightly overpriced but get it a year in advance uh than have to buy a whole box um for the yep. models that you might not want and then have to sell yourself no. that makes sense makes sense i think that's the thing though with these two releases is like you know gray knights and thousand suns like they definitely have got a lot of interesting sort of strategic options to them. And they've definitely got some powerful uh, opportunities that uh, people are taking advantage of in game. I think, you know, they definitely made their presence known, um, you know, as soon as they came out, a lot of people were running these armies. Um, I think a lot of people have had gray Knight armies or maybe even thousand sun armies that um, they've been waiting to kind of bring to life uh, on the tabletop or, or start using. And I think these books did kind of give them that, but again, not really very substantial releases in the sense that, yeah, you just didn't really see any new sculpts or new things for them bar the two characters. And I think this has been bar sisters and the next two examples. One of the kind of pitfalls of this year in terms of the release schedule for 40 K is that, it's struggled to feel significant um, is, is, is my kind of overriding point. Although the next book, the Orcs, I mean, crikey, they, they, they did well for themselves. I think it's reasonable to assert. And, and, and I certainly would that the Orcs are definitely now, if not one of potentially the strongest range in 40 K after the um, space Marines, after the space Marines, mm, because yeah. I, I genuinely really love the Orc range at the moment. I think it's got the most interesting range of diverse, interesting units, beautiful uh, characters, you know, amazing vehicles. Like it, it's a really strong range um, that, that that I think a lot of the other Xenos rain, uh, races should be envious of because it's, it's very well supported, which wasn't always the case, but I think over the span of the last three years, Games Workshop have done an excellent job of supporting this range. And, um, you know, I feel like the beast snaggers have kind of been shoehorned into the overall kind of orc aesthetic. And I'm curious whether on a long-term basis, whether they're going to segregate themselves away or they're going to potentially become a more coherent direction for some of the future 
adaptations yeah, of orcs. I mean, but who knows? they've always done this. So it's like, you know, Primaris could have always been its own codex separate from standard space means. It's like, and they sort of did it early doors. You know, you had uh, Adeptus Mechanicus, Adeptus Guitari. You had uh, Scions coming that was like a mini faction within uh, Imperial Guard, but they've never really like expanded it out to sort of be a fully fledged uh, thing. And I guess even, you know, everyone wants a creep army, but, and that's a similar sort of situation. And I think this is just the next evolution where I don't know if they do it with the intention of maybe one day we're, we're add more to it to the point where it could mm. be its own sort of sub faction in its own right. Or they just go, no, let's just give you, you know, five or six models. And if you just want to collect them as a small army, you can do um, yeah. and you don't need all the other stuff um, and give people that kind of choice. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of the snaggers and, and, and what they got for uh, the snaggers, you got the uh, orc box set that essentially gave you a bunch of really nice snagger minis. Um, but you effectively went on to get the actual be snagger boys, uh, the large, ridiculous uh, Mattel kill rig, uh, Zogrod wart snagger, uh, the Beast Boss, uh, the Great White Squig, and the other variant of it. So you've got a real healthy uh, amount of things, including refreshes for some units that, you know, otherwise haven't necessarily received a lot of love over the years. Like so you've got the a new Pain Boss. Copter. Mm-hmm. The Copters. Again, the Copters are a weird one, because you can only get those in the Combat Patrol boxes at the moment, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's Which... not often the way, because that's, that's a new release, so I'm unless it's done on a sprue that's combined with other stuff, you would assume it would be released at a later date as a standalone kit. Yeah, because the new uh, Orc Boys are only available in the Combat Patrol box as well, right? I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So maybe there is some kind of synergy between the sprues for the the copters and the boys. Um, and then you get the, the, the war boss in mega armor, um, that, uh, that, that, that is also seemingly, uh, combat patrol only. So, I mean, orcs have genuinely got a really compelling combat patrol box, um, in terms of if anyone out there is aspiring to do orcs, I think that's a really pretty fantastic collection of models to kickstart your more traditional dare i say orc uh, style army yeah and i do love the death dread mini the death dread mini is still probably one of my all-time favorite treadnought sculpts yeah yeah no it's cool yeah i love its weird kind of massive orc skull uh and just the weird kind of like ramshackle nature of it uh i think it's just a beautiful sculpt but yeah so orcs did all right for themselves they also um, um got commandos as part of um kill oh, team jeez, of course they did yeah 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 and they're gorgeous right yeah but actually yeah they're actually honestly some of the best minis this year probably if not the best i didn't vote for them i gave it to Hellbrecht in my no. in my vote but as a, as a unit by far the best unit that's come out this year oh easily yeah i'd say for me it's between them God, who's another unit that could even compete? Weirdly, the um, Pathfinders they did in Kill Team as well were pretty decent. No, that's also that's an upgrade kit, an upgrade sprue. Oh yeah, God, it's only an upgrade kit, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. God, I remember now. 
I was trying to grip at straws there. I was like, did anyone else have a squad? Because that's I mean, the thing, the, though, right? The, what other 4K squads were they? A, a, a squad that yeah, came out. I really like them. Obviously, you got the Novitiates and the um, Sacrosants. You've got the, the Krieg? Yeah, yeah, you've got that. Yeah, the Krieg. <laughs> yeah. Moving along. But yeah, so yeah, look, I mean, Orcs did well for themselves. And that was really great to see. And that was a a good release it's a shame that the orc release was so marred by the uh focus on their speed freak buggy spam competitive build because i think i think the orc codex offers so much more creative potential than that one well-established build yes Um, yeah you also had the weird issue where the codex uh came out in the limited edition box set but then the actual codex didn't come out for a much longer period of time along with yes. a lot of the models didn't come out for a longer period of time so it's like a lot of people had the rules but not the models um and you know even the games workshop tournaments had to basically say you can't use those new rules yet to be fair on everyone else god yeah that was weird wasn't it but um no i love the new painboy mini actually looking at him i think you know he's 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 quite nice i think the helmeted variant of him is uh is less awesome than his uh his fleshy face with uh cyborg eye but uh, yeah i really like the war boss with the little grot and with the machine gun on his back oh yeah the, the yeah the war boss is is pretty awesome it's a it's a great range it's a really great range it's 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 hard not to not to want to start an orc yeah army. i mean if you look at like so now orcs necrons and sisters are probably the the newest sort of i mean even death guards relatively all, all new all new sculpts yeah yeah um but yeah it feels like those three are the ones that are like up there alongside space means as like the best looking minis yeah yeah no without that i think i think they are pretty strong and then on the topic of space marines uh we closed out the year with uh the templars um, it's weird the Templar release because it's got some of the most gorgeous marine miniatures um, Games Workshop's ever made. Uh, Phil has already admitted to voting for Hellbrecht as his mini of the year, um, but I would support that. I think you know Hellbrecht to me ne- isn't necessarily as strong a miniature as 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 Bellacor, but I think the thing about Bellacor is is Bellacor is this really massive, ever present kind of demonic entity that 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 really has that really kind of horrific opposing look to him. And I think they did an amazing job of establishing like Bellacore and creating this gorgeous sculpt of him. But I think the thing I like about Helbrecht is the restraint and the actual kind of quintessential Marine qualities of him. I think that's the thing that really kind of, you know, trumps him or rather trumps Bellacore in in this instance i think but those were the two that i was debating between but i think weirdly uh, genuinely i think weirdly the the new bellacore sculpt robs bellacore of some of the personality that they'd established in his original sculpt i think the original Mm. bellacore has more attitude more more presence more personality than the the modern bellacore sculpt which is just super imposing dangerous and you know, you know, he's a he's a gorgeous sculpt, but he but but I kind of like the nuances of Helbrecht personally. I've you know, I think there's something more awesome about that. Plus, I love the servitors. I think that's the thing that kind of 
brings it to yes. life. It's the it's yeah. the it's the it's the narrative of it all. Yeah, um, it was it was cool that it was based on uh, some old um, Mark Gibbons, I think, artwork. Um, mm. And that seems to be like a trend that they've been doing a lot lately. So um, the Feston, they did a, did a similar thing. And on one hand, I'm like, it's cool, but I don't want them to do it for everything. Like, just it feels like they they do like to recycle old ideas. They like to look back into the past to be like, what can we use uh, and dig up? What can we turn from like a rogue trader idea or sketch into a, a new model or a new range? Mm bringing those things back and i think sometimes that's cool sometimes i'm like i don't want it to stifle innovation like it's a cool pose i think hellbrecht actually is a, an example of them doing it right however you know sometimes if you can be a bit too dogmatic about it you could have had another equally amazing if not better sculpt but it's like no you you were wedded to this kind of idea of doing something which ultimately is basically fan service right it's like oh they will remember this and uh, uh, and love it. Um, but seemingly we did in both instances, right? I mean, the the, the Mephiston, uh sculpt, you know, is a is a gorgeous mini, um, and Elbrecht is is better still. And you know, both of those are based on those old Mark Gibbon art, artworks. And, mm, yeah, you know, Mark Gibbons, in my opinion, was the best when it came to heroic single figure illustrations like i think i think his artwork easily is some of the most beloved artwork at least for me anyway uh, honest, uh, honestly honestly same here he was always the one i looked out for in the codexes especially because I, I used to do dwarves for fantasy so mm. he, he did some absolutely amazing ones for them yeah yeah i mean there's a thing if 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 games workshop use his illustrations as the basis of bringing to life the phoenix lords again like that would just be amazing like you know his his illustrations of the phoenix lords are phenomenal pieces of work so you know i'd love to see that kind of attitude brought to life with what they're doing with that but you know either way i'm i'm excited to see what comes around the corner on that front but that's when we start talking about our 2022 predictions but um yeah i think the thing with the black templar release again right the black templar release is Cool. It's a significant release, and it's an important update that has brought to life that army for a for a whole you know slew of new players of of Black Templars, new consumers, new gamers, whatever you want to call them. New people are getting into Black Templars. Other people are rekindling their former enjoyment of them. But again, as a release, right? Like legitimately, it's just primaris versions of what had come before, right? There's nothing in there that's remarkably new. There's no there's no well, new ideas. There is relics as physical pieces. But 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 again, thing. right? Innovations in terms of like miniature design and 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 kind of upgrade sprues. I'm 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 absolutely in favor of that. Like I think that is great. But what I'm saying is that the only real new unit they added to the army is the lieutenant, i.e. the Castellan. And then other than that, there's the, everything is what you could have always taken for Black Templars before then, just primarily. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, well, this is the thing. Like, that's exactly what they did with Sisters, though, right? That, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, a year or two years' time, they go, here's an extra thing for them. And I, I, oh, yeah, I also course. think you've got to think this is literally the first time they've done properly beyond characters, factions and 
ultramarines i have to preface this uh faction specific units like sub faction specific units for space marines that are primaris so normally primaris all generic you've got a couple of characters um they've done a few they've done a few where they basically create units um out of pre-existing primaris box set yeah like plus the upgrades kit. the um the the hounds are more the old hounds yeah the 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 primaris uh death company for example yes or you've you've got you know your death watch kill teams which are effectively yes. just pre-existing units being creating a new thing out of them yes but this is the first time where they've finally delved into actually no we're going to make unique units for uh all these chapters and it might be you know next year and onwards that we will actually start to see that for the other uh, chapters and that this is like the little teaser so yeah you've got a couple of units but and they're going to do that for everyone and then mm. maybe you know just cycle around and they're you know give everyone an extra unit or an extra character or what have you to to start to make them all individually unique yeah well it's exciting right i mean it, it, it it's it's cool that they're stud, uh, steadily getting to a point where they're starting to release new versions of, of, of those units. And to imagine that we're going to start to see Primaris variants of Sanguinary Guard, um, Thunderwolf Cavalry, uh, you know, insert other thing mm. that, that's specialist to, to, to certain army types. So, you know, it is exciting, certainly for, for those of us who are still in the business of collecting and, and, and playing Marines here and there. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, here's the thing. I love the Black Templar release. I think they handled it perfectly. I think the box set that they released for it was fantastic. I think the John Blanche artwork inspired um, Castellan sculpt was fantastic. And again, a really great example of what you're talking about, Phil, in terms of the fan service. They'll remember this type messaging. Um, but also the fact that, you know, they're just sort of really just some of their best work in terms of the, the range and the, and the sculpts that we've got for that collection. I would argue, though, that the Castellan is the one where it doesn't really fit in. Like, it, no. if, if that was a uh, like a Black Library or an anniversary store exclusive mini, like they, you know, when they first brought back Eisenhorn and stuff, or the Noise Marine, for example, it would make sense in that context because it's like this is a bit of a one-off, doesn't really fit within the range, but it's this thing you can collect, but you can also play it in your army. That one was a really weird one because they've sort of brought it back and sort of gone, this is Primaris, and it's like, don't, doesn't look it. Like, you ain't fooling anyone. It's like, I guess that you know, there's no sort of law or logical explanation behind it other than someone wanted his old armor and just sort of got it stretched out a bit to fit his new Primaris body. Or maybe I'm just overthinking it and it's you should just look at it as it's a cool model, which is what it is, but it just doesn't fit in with the rest of the Primaris stuff. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the it's the cross section, I suppose, of it's it's the moment where. Games Workshop are starting to kind of cross the Rubicon themselves and effectively just get to the point where they're like, yeah, yeah, they're basically everything's like, Primaris now. Yeah, yeah, we don't care. Just they're all Marines. Like, yeah, no Primaris, no Firstborn. They're just kind of all the same. Like stat, yeah, stat exactly. wise, they are rules wise, bar transports and stratagem specific stuff, which they're going to be phasing out, right? 
you know, not not aggressively yet. I don't think they're going to phase them out super aggressively yet, but I think we're getting to a point where they are. Well, so so Black Templars was, I think, was the first time where they've actually technically phased out firstborn units because they, yeah, they yeah. gave you the um, Crusade sword brethren. sword brethren and Crusader squad, and I can't remember if it's both or just one of them but now the 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 sword brothers have gone the crusader squad is still an option so you can still take firstborn crusaders. yes but yeah not the sword brethren yeah i knew it was one not so yeah it's interesting though. that they've done that and gone yeah there's no rules for the old one ultimately it doesn't matter though because it you can still just run them as the new ones whether they're primaris or not um well theoretically right the the way you run them is is you take vanguard veterans you know or you take company veterans or you take you know that the, there are means by which you can still legitimately use that squad or you just use the primaris rules for your old unit if you happen to be one of those rare people who still owns the original sword brother brethren unit just run it as whatever you want to run it as whether it is that you want to run them as vanguard vets or whether it is that you want to run them as um you want to run them as as the Primaris variant. I don't think anyone's going to massively mind under the circumstances, but um, but yeah, it was an interest. It was an interesting release uh, schedule, um, and I suppose the way, uh, well, so, so to talk about it from a miniatures perspective, what we've just kind of discussed there, plus a few little one-off bits here and there, a few special releases, represents the full extent of of the release schedule for this year, and no one's going to necessarily suggest that there wasn't good stuff in there. I think majoritively there was a good amount of stuff, but I think certainly it took a long time to get up to speed. Like we didn't see any significant range releases until, um, until, you know, the, 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 the sisters and then subsequently the orcs and now the sort of Templars. So that's been great. But I think, I think innately the thing is with like orc armies and sisters armies and all this other stuff, it just, I don't know, it just, none of it felt, well, the Orcs felt pretty significant, but everything else sort of was a bit like, oh yeah, cool. Now, admittedly, I've not started seeing Black Templars in the wild yet because, you know, well, I've seen one or two of them, but not aggressively at this point. So I don't know what the impact of them is, but I think certainly what they're teasing for 2022 has got me quite excited in terms of the sorts of releases that we're, we're kind of staring down uh, down the barrel of 2022 at. But um before we get into that, which is going to be a segment in and of itself, what was your general vibe, Phil, on the the release schedule in terms of miniatures for 40k in 2021? I mean, it, it, it felt all right to me, but I mean, a little lackluster some places, but overall, yeah, I think I think the thing that hampered it to, in terms of being an exciting release was that most of the time we had either seen stuff like in advance. And it just hadn't come out. Like the the main issue is there's basically been a delay. It's like, um, you know, heavy intercessors, for example. We first saw them, or at least the rules for them, in the Space Mean Codex that came out last year. And then yep. they're like four months later, maybe, maybe five. Um, finally, they come out in the Kill Team um, box set. So it's like. Oh, cool! That they're finally here yet. It's like we've all been waiting for them. Um, same with like the the speeders and stuff, and um, a lot of the other units, like the orc stuff. A lot of the stuff had been previewed, and then it finally comes out. So I think that's why it probably feels a bit more underwhelming. 
than uh, anything. What was also interesting with some of the space mean stuff that came out early doors is it's like you got a brand new eradicator and blade guard kits. Mm. The uh, multi part in comparison to the ones that everyone already owns, which were the, the easy build, is mm. weird that they're almost like so flippant with space means that they can afford to do two versions of the same kit and know oh, yeah. that they're still going to sell them. Whereas it's like you wouldn't ever get that with, you know, another army. Um, no. y- you know, you don't get easy build. I mean, I could be wrong. I assume you don't get easy build Necrons and then that they've done other versions of Necrons later. I think. They they did a couple of they did three Death Guard minis when they first came out, like uh, the, for for the painting stuff uh, as, as standalone things. But beyond that, they're pretty much all like the exact same kit that you can actually finally buy when they came out as individual kits. So Necrons have three Necron warriors that are easy build that you get when you buy the Necron paint set. Oh, and there's a secret fourth one which you get when you buy the Warhammer 40k intro magazine that costs eight ninety nine, uh, oh. or ten ninety nine, depending on where you get it from. Um, I know that because you also get because I bought it basically for the extra uh, Space Marine Assault Intercessor, who's got a very cool but completely unique pose that you can't get anywhere else. Those are the one with the um, the assault um, symbol molded into the shoulder pad. Right? Um, yes, or the fast attack. Uh, is, yeah, yeah, I think he has got it on that. Actually, I'm not too sure about him. Have I got it for hand? I don't think I do. Um, but the 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 ones that came with the paint uh, boxes do have that for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah, too yeah. sure about this guy. Probably, I would assume. Probably. But yeah, I think anyway, all things uh, being equal, I think the release schedule for 2021 was okay. I think, you know, and it's interesting because you, you raise an interesting point in terms of the fact that they still had a bunch of marine stuff that they were cycling through in the early part of the year. And, you know, we saw a number of those releases dropping um, as as the year kind of went along. And I think, yeah, it's been, um, it's been interesting yeah, I- in, in, in that regard to sort of, see how that's all kind of come about i found the uh, the warhammer magazine that you're referring to uh and it is a space marine assault intercessor and yeah it doesn't have the it doesn't have the molded shoulder pad mm, a rarity um yeah. yeah it's quite a nice sculpt actually for what it is with the the gun pointed well, out. No, exactly nice exactly thing. that's why i got it i was like they've done quite a good paint job on it as well what's unique about this warrior then he's just pointing his gun especially forwards is he yeah it's like i think it's supposed because he, he's standing as opposed to running right if i remember correctly well he's got a bit of a he's got a bit of a plod on he looks like he's got a bit of a stride mm. going yeah it's, Either it's way, more though. the arm pose of the gun which i was like oh that's pretty cool and unique oh um, yeah 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 no, yeah i feel like if you're a diehard xenos player and you only collect one army you can sort of rightfully, and you're not orcs, basically. This year, you'd be like, oh, cool, at best. Or Necrons. I mean, if it'd be Necrons or them. But anyone else, it's like, cool, I get one character as part of my release. So, yeah, sorry, join the rest of the club of everyone else that isn't Space Means. And as a guard player, I've been in that situation many a time when a Codex release comes around and it's like, don't get Mm. anything or you'll get a character or you get some something. But it's not a lot. Yeah. 
um basically it's like you gotta really just get on the space moon bandwagon if you want to be someone that <laughs> wants to regularly buy miniatures you either need multiple armies like two or three or yeah, yeah. you do one army and you slowly paint it up to a really high standard and that can take you years or yeah just take whatever army you love plus space marines and then you'll have a whale of time it's unfortunately uh, the way of the hobby. Everyone needs more Space Marines uh, and Games Workshop are happy to sell them to you. But um, yeah, I think look, the 2021 release schedule has been interesting. There's been a few beautiful uh, moments in terms of special releases and things that have really kind of uh, stood out. I think uh, the Gaunt's Ghost um, squad, oh, yeah. for example. Stunning. Really good minis. Yeah. In, in, incredible and that's the thing there's been some really beautiful releases overall um so it's not to suggest that there's not been fun stuff that's been there for us to kind of get on board with i just think yeah i think you know i think a lot of the times the codex releases have just felt a little bit limp and i think that's the problem it's like when you compare what we're seeing with age of sigma where every release is this big exciting you know range uh coming out now obviously they are also cycling through refreshing the uh the battle tomes for the newer editions so when they go here's battle tome iron jaws they're not you know necessarily gonna throw loads of new iron jaw units well, into the mix here's, here's the thing with aos once they're sort of like one and done factions once you've got your initial release that you don't really get anything new for them like uh, fire slayers got a furnace uh, a, a year ago, I think. Iron Jaws yeah. got the Warhammer Plus limited edition model, and I think they maybe got another like store exclusive type mini at some other point. But beyond that, like I don't think any of them have really had new new minis when they go around to doing the um, like refreshing the battle tomes and stuff. So in a way, they're worse than uh, 40k, but they also churn out so many new armies. Like mm. it feels like way more like they're constantly growing the actual armies that exist within AOS. Whereas 40 K is you'll get maybe one new faction, an an addition maybe. Yeah. Like yeah. the ninth edition. We haven't had one yet. Have we? No, had, no. We've had updates to stuff, but we haven't had a, a brand new fact. Well, technically, in all the way for eighth edition, we got nothing. Oh, got we got sisters. Chaos Knights. Oh, Chaos Knights. Uh, oh, Gene Steeler Cult was seventh edition, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gene Steeler oh no, eighth edition already... was Death, Death Guard. Really? Oh yes, you're absolutely that right. Was like yes, their I forgot big about new, Death Guard. Yeah, big new release. So we had quite a lot yeah, in so... eighth edition. It feels like so we had. Well, actually, was Gene Steeler Cult 7th edition or was that 8th edition? It was. Okay. Yeah, it might have even been 6th edition in its initial instance. Um, same with Mechanicus. They were like 6th yeah, or 7th edition. But it feels like and they've then... all grown in 8th edition quite substantially. With all yes, absolutely. Releases, um, yeah. As opposed to, and plus giving us like, you know, Death Guard and, and stuff like that. Whereas 9th edition, it's like, we're waiting but i think with night with ninth edition they're just going to refresh all the factions that have got quite outdated yeah and that and that definitely is what you kind of feel when you look at ninth for the moment it's rare that they're adding new things it's more just about updating the old stuff it's like this is too old now 
it's time to fix it. And that's obviously what we're going to see with Craft Worlds. That is the nature of it. It's just going to be, here's a bunch of stuff you already have, but we're just making it better in better scopes, so on and so forth. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be which... surprised uh, if you if you do get some new stuff, like the, what do we call them, novitiates for sisters and, you know, the war stuff. Oh, yeah, stuff. So yeah. it's like, I think you you might find you'll get a complete refresh but maybe not straight away, but then later on, a year later, because yeah, that's yeah. tense. You always get part two to these things. Um and in that, that we can talk we, we can talk about that. We can talk about that when we go on to the twenty twenty two stuff. But um yeah. One of the other things that's really interesting this year, and the thing that we've obviously should talk about as well, because it is forty K adjacent. Um it has forty K in the title. Uh it's Kill Team, of course. Uh really weird year for Kill Team. Um, because we got Kill Team Nexus. Um, which was the uh, Kill Team box set release with the uh, heavy intercessors and uh, flailed ones uh, and a whole bunch of weird Necron terrain uh, that was obviously usable on the on the cardboards, uh, the cardboard, cardboard board um, that, that you could use with it. And that had a really interesting um, rules update for Kill Team of Old because they gave you new rules for all the new Marine stuff, all the new Necron stuff. They basically were like, hey guys, buy this book and it's going to update all your Marines, it's going to update all your Crons, it's going to update everything that we've kind of done. It's a whole load of new Kill Team stuff. Yay, Kill Team, it's exciting and fun. And then two months later, three months later, they go, ah, forget about that rubbish. Kill Team! And it's like, right, okay, cool. Um, so really weird play from, from GW in terms of kill team, right? Like by, it, it by just weird, sort of you mean like, really bad. I don't know if I would call it bad. I just think it's weird that I think it's strange because kill team right now. And again, maybe this is indicative of my own kind of gaming circles, but kill team just doesn't feel like it's hit the, hit the, the zeitgeist the same way as old kill team did. It felt like when they released kill team, 4.8th edition that people really cared about it and were really engaged with it whereas it feels like early doors with kill team for ninth edition i think people bought into it because they wanted the terrain they wanted the, the the minis but i don't think anyone is really playing it especially it doesn't feel to me like there's a a, a big groundswell of people getting excited to play kill team games although i acknowledge that people are I'm just saying I don't I'm not really feeling it the same way as when the first kill team came along. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. That, but then I'm not going to a gaming club to see what the what the temperature of uh, kill teams like. I know lots of people are into it and those that are are loving it. Yeah, of um, course. Yeah, yeah. I I again this is like my point about Blood Angels. I'm not saying <laughs> that I don't like it. Space I'm vampires. not saying that anyway. I'm just saying that yeah, space advice. I'm just saying that I'm not really seeing it myself. It's like I've never, yeah. To now, I've, I've I've seen some people playing Kill Team, but I've just I'm not I, I, I'm not seeing people get excited. About I think it personally, I think the issue is what they what they've done differently is this time they've gone. Here's a big expensive box full of terrain, full of two new units. There you go. Three months later, but that was here's a... another big box of stuff. With two more units in and some terrain, here you go. What they did so well in the original kill team was: here's a big box of stuff, and everyone really wanted the terrain because it was so like brand spanking new and like updated the whole ruins um, 
for 40k people 40k players was like cool but they also did here's all these uh kill zone like expansion back packs for mm. like cheap terrain then they did here's all your mini war bands here's all your kill teams like as individual units with cards that you can buy the buy-in to the kill team seemed really like easy like oh, i can just buy mm. a kill team i can i've got the rules comes with it i've got cards got tokens in that little box set with the kill team like cool like with this it's like you've got to buy the box then you've got to buy the compendium which has data sheets inside it like printed it's like they're not they don't come as cards it's like really unwieldy and it's it, it hasn't got that almost like, or dare I say, collectible card game aspect to the original one, where it's like off the shelf. I can, I can pick up the rule book if I want to be cheap. I could pick up a kill team. I could pick up a kill zone. As like my little purchases, these are mine. My mate can do the same. We've now got two or three different sets of terrain between us. Instead, mm. it's just these big box releases, which I actually think is hampering how kill team gets played. Like if you want to, if you want to play kill team you've either got to buy a big box set or you've got to buy like you got to buy the core rule book you got to buy the little box of uh you know shaped shape um shape dice not dice shape rulers measuring measuring stick stick things um you got to get that and then you've got to buy a generic 40k box like that's not the same branding. Like the branding of Kill Team was so good. Here's your Kill Team, like Kill Team, Kill Team boxes. If you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Whereas now it's just pick up a 40k box. Now we don't. You know, it's like that's a completely different system. Like rules wise. Mm. Um, well, that was the point I was going to get to as well. Though is I think that is the mistake because the old Kill Team basically was using a lot of familiar concepts for established 40k players it was fundamentally a reordered or remade version of the core kind of 40k concepts in terms of stat lines and and all the rest of it right a primaris marine in kill team had two wounds a primaris marine in in 40k has two wounds though it hit on freeze it you know moves six the 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 differences were was the way that the sequences uh, transpired the specialities that you could adorn those characters with so you could make them like snipers or demolition experts or whatever it was right you added that you sprinkled that layer on top of it and then you know it wasn't like a weird barrier to entry it wasn't like me going right my my space marine moves two square uh you know i hit on a roll of a whatever you know like the whole the whole way that the the, the 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 units are being expressed is is you know a whole new way of thinking. And again, I've heard a lot of people saying this new kill team system is really good. You and me need to play it at some point, mate. That's a oh, for that's sure. a task that lays yeah. ahead of us in January at some point. Um, but the point is, is that we are we are in an interesting time for kill team because I like what they're doing with some of the releases. I think the um first box set was extraordinarily good i think the second box set was a little lackluster but i think you can definitely say that their heart was in the right place um and i think future updates to kill team in terms of the squads that they're going to be releasing going to be really exciting but the thing about kill team that really really sucks 
is the fact that they phoned in the initial index release so badly. Like and anyone I've spoken to on the topic of kill team has essentially said that yeah, there are four kill teams and then there is all the rest of it. And all the rest of it just has nowhere near the flexibility or creativity or options that you are affording well, yeah. if you, if you have one of the four. Well, kill well teams. what's weird is actually there's a bunch of kill teams in White Dwarf that have that kind of same level of um, rules, oh, really? yeah, they didn't. There's definitely an Adeptus Mechanicus, uh, slash Guitar one in there that has all the data sheets again printed out. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's like the complexity of the kind of uh, guardsmen, uh, or commandos is there, and it's like they're releasing them in White Dwarf, and it's like. I, I sort of get it. It's like the compendium was meant to really just be an index to get you started. But I think because of that, people were a bit like, mm, it's not very interesting. Like you mm. want it to be a bit more special. Especially for the price of admission, right? Like it, it's not an inexpensive book. And again, the old kill team had all of those basic kind of beginner rules in the yeah, same and they didn't check because because I think it didn't take long to people to cotton on to the fact like you're going to buy this. It's a stopgap until they give you a specific kill team for that faction, which will be yes. much more interesting. So I'm a bit like uh, not fussed and uh, like unless you're playing one of the new ones, I'm not fussed about playing. I, I haven't bought the Compendium. I've got no intention of playing those effectively old style kill teams. Um, mm. And they also actually kind of changed the, the play style and loadout. So if you had a pre-existing kill team, there's a chance it isn't even compatible with the new rules. I think the thing that's really weird as well, though, is like I think Games Workshop have just done everything wrong when it comes to kill team in terms of giving us as a you know consumer base confidence in our purchasing decisions. It's like kill team has just been this thing that they just kind of roll out and then they just slap every update on it under the sun over the course of time and it just becomes bloated and you've gone through that cycle with it you just know that you're gonna become disenfranchised with it because of the way that they're going to treat it long term and again in a way it's sort of indicative of what they do with 40k as well which is you know they sort of begin and then over time it becomes crazy bloated and and then they have to sort of start again and that's sort of where they're at with kill team but then you know the original kill team ended with like six core rule system books to it you had you had kill team kill team elite kill team leaders or hqs mm-hmm. or whatever it was kill team arena kill team rogue trader and then kill team pariah nexus yeah. or whatever it was i think the whole thing was like it just went but, mad but at it least was like, with that each one was like an expansion that you could choose not to buy so kill, with with the original true. kill team I just got the original base game. I never bothered with any of the expansions. I sort of liked the look of a couple of them, but I knew I didn't play frequently enough to make it worth my while. Whereas with this mm. one, it's they've subtly updated the rules for rules. So the one that they came out with, uh, Tau and Sisters, like they, they added on a bunch of extra rules to make up for the fact that the terrain is much taller, which effectively breaks the mechanics of how you need to get onto the terrain because it's it's over the the square or circle measurement that you would otherwise need to do. So they've given you some extra rules for that. And like there's a I think it's like extreme vantage point or something, because you're so high up, you get extra rules uh, for basically being a, if you want to be a sniper up 
up there. And it's like, that's cool, but you haven't, as far as I'm aware, they haven't released that for free. So if you want to technically get those rules, you'd have to buy a big box set just to get access to a, you know, a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, it's pretty mad. But there you go. Kill Team's been an interesting one. I think it's just because of the fact that they did the 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 old Kill Team release and then so quickly proceeded. In yeah, the I mean, I, like... I just want to say, I think, you know, it feels like the old prior Nexus release was a real, like, cynical marketing ploy because they were like, people are going to buy this for heavy intercessors. So we're just going to mm. put some other stuff in there. Like, the terrain was terrible i thought like it's it's not oh, it's not awful. compatible with 40k even if you're a necron player you you it's just like a bunch of barrels effectively necron themed barrels it's like and doors. yeah you don't need 50 of them it's like if 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 they had some like necron walls or something with to go inside it to you know like the the barricades and stuff or even if it was along the lines of like the orc stuff that you got on the new kill team like that would at least be viable in some way but it, it's just like a bunch of stuff to sell space marines and they're like oh we know it will sell and there's literally yeah. no life expectancy on this game because for as you said three months afterwards like they completely gutted the whole system and started over again so it's not like even it's a, a jump from like you know second edition no no i'm sure i think it's not like it's a jump from eighth to ninth edition where it's all cross compatible it's like the jump from seventh to ninth sorry seventh to eighth where it's like you're gutting it and you're restarting because they're just not yeah. compatible so if you bought that box set because you're a fan of kill team you would feel probably quite annoyed of the lack of value for money you got out of that box but then at the same time you'd also be you know, quickly forgetting about it because you'd be going, my shiny new toy of Kill Team 2. So it's like, it's, you know, two sides of, you know, the same coin. One's good, one's bad. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to take them both, basically. Yeah, but I think that's the thing. I think it just kind of trains people as towards how they think about these releases. And I think they've made Kill Team feel less significant as a result. And I think, you know, don't get me wrong. I think there was a lot of excitement around um, the, uh, the, the kill team reveal, but it has massively in my estimates uh, dissipated at this point. I just don't think, I don't think anyone is falling over themselves to be playing kill team right now that I'm aware of. Now, obviously again, people out there will be enjoying it and that's great. And, you know, this might be one of those weird um, Adeptus Titanicus things where it's the best game that no one's playing. Um, and maybe there is a, a diehard Kill Team community out there, and I'm sure there is, but, you know, I'm not aware of it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, it feels like with the other the original Kill Team, it was like there was so much stuff that they released in that first year. It felt like a very well-supported system. But I think mm. it was that case where it quickly fizzled out it's like we've released all the kill teams, we've released all the war zones. What else have we got left? Okay, a couple of expansions. We've run out of miniatures to put into new rules in terms of elites and HQs and stuff. Where else can we go? Okay, competitive play. Oh, what else after that? 
an update to Space Marines and Necrons. Uh, okay. Whereas this feels now like a bit more of a sustained release of you're not getting as much like it's over a much slower period of time. It's every like three months. There's a box with a mm. couple of bits in and that's it. But that will last yeah. for years because they can that that at that pace because it's so slow they can make sure there's always something to keep it going over time but i think yeah. in doing so just means the initial impact of kill team isn't as exciting as it was when you had all these kill teams and kill zone boxes that you could be buying and you know cards and stuff yeah. like that i mean i'm definitely buying it when uh, the corsairs kill team comes out right like that's happening surely like once that thing becomes reality I mean, there's so many rumors about it at this point. I just can't believe that it's not true, um, which is nice because I've been, uh, you know, I've been talking about Corsairs coming back to Elder for a long time. So I'm excited to see what that what that happens. But that, I'll jump in at that point. But other than that, yeah, Kill Team is is much of a much of a muchness to me at this point. Because um, again, I was someone who bought most of the expansions and and kept a, ahead of the the curve on Kill Team and and. Um, and I just felt disappointed by the way that, that it just sort of the Games Workshop were pushing these things on us um, as of, you know, April, May, and then July, they were basically July, August. They're like, oh, yeah, forget about that. And don't forget as well, Phil, a real bad taste was left in my mouth as well by the way that they handled the whole kill zone situation. Because if you remember, that was the release where they basically false advertised kill zones and then retrospectively changed their website to pretend that they never did uh Um, yes yeah because they initially advertised the old ones that you could buy yes but actually what you were getting were new ones that had less uh content in um yes for more and then more money because they actually raised the price of them and that was and then you had to buy a book you had to buy a book remember phil to run those kill zones oh yeah there was uh... so they were selling you a book for a bunch of boxes and then when you bought the boxes to coincide with the book you couldn't build the battlefields that they had actually illustrated in the book because the book was a compendium of pages from the original kill teams with the contents of the original kill teams so you didn't have enough crates or enough ruins or anything to build the actual battles yeah, yeah it was it was an atrocious release and again i think unfortunately was for me the thing that has kind of soured kill team for me and why i i've not bought it it's very rare for me not to buy something 40k related and i have not bought kill team yeah i mean i remember when they first previewed those kill teams i was like oh i really missed out on getting those you know, I really want to get some scenery for cheap because scenery is crazy expensive. So I was really looking forward to it. And yeah, as you said, it, I was just left a bit disappointed going, like it's more expensive and there's less stuff in it. I, I, I just feel like I'd be mugging myself off if I bought it now, knowing that I could have bought it, you know, 10 quid cheaper or 20 quid cheaper the year before or a couple of years before so i was like no i'm just not buying them as as tempting as it was i was like it just doesn't feel right but also because some of the one that i really wanted was actually missing the cool bits that i wanted out of it so it just seemed a bit pointless to buy it for you know a bunch of pipes yes yeah but there you go that was the kill team conundrum 
Um, the other thing that has obviously uh, garnered, um, you know, mixed feelings is the Warzone books. Um, we don't necessarily need to dwell on this overall, but or, or too extensively. But there's been four Warzone books this year, or five, four, four or yeah, five, because they've done the um, Warzone Caradon and Warzone Octarius. Each yeah. one's got a different book, or as we realised today. Two of them are called Book One, Book Two, and the other two are called Act One, Act Two. Why Games Workshop? You're doing this weird naming convention on the on the spines of the books. Is, 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 is this another thing that offended you? As you it were... does. Uh, For... It triggers my OCD. So I, I, I've got to post it on my socials, actually, um, just as a point of reference. Uh, uh, so I, Dan kindly gave me a limited edition Black Templars codex uh, last weekend, um, which I then inserted into my bookshelf of all the ninth edition um, codexes and the core rule book, only to discover that the 40K logo is like white, all white on the limited edition codex, which is the same for all the limited edition codexes. But all the others are like the standard logo. So you sort of look at it and it's like this really jarring white logo breaking up the consistency of the placement of all the others. And then Richie pointed out that, yeah, the Warzone books, uh, the first two were called Act 1, Act 2, and then the second two, uh, Octarius, were called Book 1, Book 2. So weirdly inconsistent. And it's like just... Just pick one, even if you didn't like the first one, just stick with it. Is that, is that kind of stuff that keeps you awake at night? My, it, I'm Phil? a designer, so it's like it's my job to keep me awake at night over those little things. It would, <laughs> But you didn't do it, it would, Phil. This isn't your No, thing. I know, but as a designer, I appreciate good aesthetics. So it's like, yeah, it, would, it keeps me up at night knowing, ah, yeah. It's just, it's just bad. There's someone out, someone in your of your creed is out there doing a terrible job. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Not, you know, yeah. I, I, it's easily done, right? You know, just, uh, you know, it, probably different people are working on these projects and they're not necessarily cross-referencing the other books to double-check. I think mm. I, I get why they've done it with a limited edition um, ones to make them stand out, but it effectively means you either need all the limited edition ones for consistency or, you know, or not, and it's like... Yeah, to me, I'm all about consistency. So that's why I like um, the more. It's like when Ninth Edition um, came out, I actually wanted to swap my limited edition, edition rule book for the standard one that you had to buy online or in shops because it didn't come in the um, Indomitus, um, Indomitus um, box because I wanted the consistent cover artwork to all look the same. And the limited edition one kind of broke that up. That's how weird I am. Well, I'm sorry that I, I'm sorry I gifted you that Black Templar book, and it in turn led Richie to observe the differences between the right. war zones. Basically, but, um, ruined my day. Basically, yeah. that's it. That was the worst thing that was happening exactly. to you. That it's day. the worst thing that's happened. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The um, the war zone books, though, right? Let's. I mean, we can. There's a broader topic that I want to get into about the Warzone books, but we'll just talk about the Warzone books in isolation. Look, as someone who has been invested in the hobby for a long time, the idea of Games Workshop releasing compendiums of different rules in that kind of format is not alien to me, right? Like they've they've done this stuff loads. They've done loads of supplements. They've done loads of campaign books. This is 
par for the course. I mean, if you go back to the seventh edition world, they had uh, the new rules for the Thousand Suns put in Wrath of Magnus, which also gave you rules for uh, some Space Wolf stuff. Uh, they had uh, the Monkai book uh, give you all the new rules for the Imperial Guard while also giving you new rules for, um, you know, Tau. Th- this is common practice for Games Workshop over the years to do this sort of stuff. So for me as a longstanding you know, 40k gamer, I am not shocked by this business practice. However, I acknowledge that certain elements of how they've handled that release and the way that they've done it have not necessarily been as friendly for consumers as it otherwise should be. And I think if it were that in isolation, I don't think people would have been as negative about them as as maybe they were. But I think that was kind of one of the 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 things that came off the back of a bunch of other bad decisions that had led to an overarching negative vibe towards um games workshop during the course of, of 2021 um we won't necessarily need to get into all of the the different things that um you know contributed to that but effectively the um the course of 2021 had a number of problems and one of those was was warzone right kill team was the thing as well that we talked about this all kind of came around then but you know i think a lot of drakari players were basically going well have i got to buy this so as i get all the rules from a drakari it's like well it's just that's what they've done I, I agree it's not great but it's just what they've done but for me as as myself, I like them because it gives Games Workshop's rules writing teams the chance to experiment and throw fun, interesting thing in, things into the mix. But I understand why people were frustrated about it. And I get it if you're the sort of person who wants to have all the rules for your army, why you would be frustrated that they're not just in one consolidated book. And the last thing I'm going to say uh, about these releases um, and some of the things they do is it frustrates me when... Um, rules were given to you as part of your Warhammer Plus or Warhammer 40,000 app subscription, which are then subsequently re-released verbatim into one of these Warzone books and then subsequently are removed from the app. That drove me crazy. Like the, the, the fact that you had access to these rules via the Psychic Awakening books in the app one day and then they put it in the Warzone book and now all of a sudden you ain't got it anymore. That was bananas to me. That was probably one of the more offensive elements of the Warzone books for me. But overall, I'm okay with it. But then I'm a bit of a Games Workshop apologist when it comes to stuff like this because I'm I'm just sort of I'm too Stockholm syndromed at this point to be overly aggressive about it. But you know, the core concept of what they are doesn't massively offend me. But I get why newer players might be you know disenfranchised by these releases but i mean what did you think of the warzone release yeah i mean personally i didn't mind it so much i found it was a nice uh you know i i kind of love campaign books i like to read them mm. i very rarely get the chance to play them but i like to read them pretending i'm gonna play them and then hopefully one day i can convince <laughs> everyone to do some games from them um i like that they're sort of being a bit more experimental with the armies of renowned i think that's a really cool concept I think the fundamental flaw is timing with the Warzone books. I think people are annoyed that they're coming out ahead of actual codexes. Uh, You know, Mm. people seem to think, why are the rules writers spending time doing these instead of writing, you know, the actual codexes for like, you know, Tau or Elder or Guard or Chaos, for example. Um, You know, Mm. I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. There might literally be a dedicated team or one or two people say, 
doing those books and the people doing the codexes is a separate group of people potentially mm. i mean i don't actually know but i think if the i think you're right that people kind of a lot of people are like i want to just buy a codex and all my rules for all my units should just be in there and ideally that should be valid for an entire edition of the game if not a bit more um and normally in the past historically with other editions of the game as you pointed out when they released new units for a pre-existing faction they need to put those rules in print somewhere so that's where the concept of the campaign books kind of comes from like all of a sudden they can sling them in here like vigilus oh there's some new chaos stuff there's minus cowgar let's put them in there you can buy it uh, so you've got a physical version because they yeah their whole rules release system is wedded pretty much to print media um which is a flaw in itself which maybe we we'll talk about another time but that's their main issue so if they had you know if you were a sisters player or jacari player your codex came out brilliant you would be happy and you wouldn't be complaining about anything if in a year's time that warzone book with your armies of renowned or regiment of renowned um is that armies of renowned armies of renowned if if that came out in a year's time you wouldn't be complaining because i think a lot of people say day one dlc because i guess that's for comparison it's it's rules that i use for my army it's literally coming out the same time my codexes and that's the bit that feels a bit egregious to people i think whereas if it came out at a later mm. date i don't think anyone would care because some people would probably be like oh c- cool new stuff like oh f- like a bit of a refresh it's changing the meta but instead you don't have the stabilization of your initial codex dropping and then the shake-up with the extra rules coming at a later date is just I sort of get that they're trying to do it as this is a companion piece. Like, this is your codex. Here's some campaign rules for your codex. Here's some cool army rules if you want them. You don't need them. But I think when it comes to match play rules, people are like, if it's for my army, I need it, whether or not it's any good. However, I think most of the armies of renown have be, proven to be pretty good. So it's almost like essential buying. Um, I think the price point um, is a bit of a factor for people. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're all right books, I think. I think if, if the Armies of Renowned were like Crusade rules only and you couldn't, they, you know, couldn't use them in match play or tournaments, no one would care about these because no one cares about. Well, they wouldn't sell either, right? That's the problem. Yeah. No way. Yeah, near I mean that's probably they, also that's probably a fair point as well. So yeah, they have they have to they have to support the match play format because that's the cash cow. No one no one is buying books in the same volume than those that want to use them for rules purposes. That's just that's just the nature of the beast. Not that you won't be using them for rules purposes if you're playing Crusade, because obviously you need them for the Crusade. But the point is, is that. Yeah, match play sort of rules the roost on that. And one of the wider points, and I wanted to get into this, and this is probably a podcast topic in and of itself, so let's not necessarily labour the point because it's potentially something that we can explore more extensively in the future. But my frustration with these books, as well as a bunch of other avenues in which Games Workshop is uh, kind of communicating things, and this only really became apparent to me when we started talking with Tim about getting into Necromunda, because I have not been following necromunda 
And we are now in a situation where, because of Tim's intrigue and interest in the topic of Necromunda, that we might well start playing some Necromunda soon. And all of a sudden, we're asking ourselves, how does one get into Necromunda? And we were met with, it's a little bit complicated because there's a lot of variance to it. That is massively more so the case with with 40k right now and my concern with this style of release at the moment is i think it, i think we're creating or rather not we games workshop we're creating a barrier to entry that, that that might start to get difficult for people to overcome at the moment i think i think the sheer volume of content and releases and the the, the different avenues by which games workshop are releasing this content has made getting into 40k ninth edition probably one of the most difficult editions to get into since seventh edition like i i I think it's really really difficult um there's just too much yeah i mean pre-psychic awakening sort of say midpoint of eighth edition you had your rule book you had a codex and if it came out you had vigilus and probably only bought Mm. the first one because the second unless you were a chaos player basically um and that was it like well, yeah, but you even then still had FAQs. And yeah, things, right? like I mean, yeah, it. in terms of sort of stuff you would buy, it would be those because you didn't have space mean supplements or anything like that. Um, there wasn't any. No, not, there not, wasn't not, any, not pre twenty. There was a barrage no. or deluge, deluge even of um, yeah FAQs to kind of keep ahead of. But if you were someone that didn't care about that, you're a lot more of a casual gamer. You could just take these things and be like, "Fine, this is it." I think there's a. I think we've all noticed this year, especially maybe more of an early part of it, like a real 40k fatigue of people just going, like, I'm I'm so bored of 40k. And I think that was partly because they weren't releasing many models, but they were just churning out rules left, right and center and trying to keep up with that, like, sort of knowledge about what's coming out or what's hot, what's you know, what are certain rules, what are the combos? It's actually quite difficult. Yeah, I just don't understand how anyone gets into it anymore. I have no idea how a new player with no exposure to any of 40K prior to this moment in time gets into it. Like, I just don't know how you do it because it's just too vast. It's like literally, utterly impenetrable at this point, in my opinion um to get into it and i think that's the weird thing like you take it i i know we've started turning into people that kind of romanticizing certain aspects of eighth edition and god if you go back and listen to early episodes of this podcast you're going to hear me saying that there's a lot of problems with eighth edition because eighth edition wasn't perfect but the one thing it was was easy to get into like you didn't need much you just needed the the pamphlet that was the rules and you needed your book now okay you probably then also needed an FAQ and maybe there were some points changes and there were some other things that were floating around online and they did start to bloat it towards the end. But 2017, 2018, a good chunk of 2019, the game was pretty easy to get your head around. Now it's just gone. Like the span of time of 2019. So in the year 2020 to 2021, the game has just become a monstrosity again. And it's just crazy to think that, you know, if I want to run Tyranids now, right? Say I want to run Tyranids. 
I've got a turn up, right? Say, say most Tyranid armies probably aren't going to utilize a Forge World unit, so I'm going to discount that from the mix. But I'm going to need Tyranid Codex. I'm going to need um, my... Um, oh, actually, they amalgamated this, didn't they, within the Yeah, latest, so the Warzone um, uh, Critical Mass has all the Psychic Awakening stuff in there, so you don't need the old Psychic Awakening books. Fine. So, okay, okay, in that case then, so I can discount that. So, but I do still need the Critical Mass books, um, I need, depending on what I'm running, I, I need my white dwarf supplement that they just did. Um, to, oh yeah, to, which we, to be able we to run. probably should cover at some point, maybe obviously next year at some point. One day we'll get Tim on to talk about that at some point and, and, and so on or, or Phil, maybe not you, obviously other Phil. Um, but yeah, anyway, point is, is like, yeah. And then, but the point, I mean, okay. Nids maybe aren't as bad an example as some, but the point is, is that it, it's, it's now become that thing. Well, like, okay. It, well, if you want to be awkward, you could be like, okay, guard, for example, you've got your old eighth edition Oof. codex. You've got your Imperial armor compendium from Forge World. Cause you most likely will have a bit of Forge World in there. You've got, um, psychic awakening books, um, for your tank cases. You've got, if you're Cadian, specifically you've got the uh it wasn't critical masses one before that but you've got your warzone octarius book for your new regiments of renowned uh no yep. sorry codex supplements no codex that was it was codex supplements. um so you got all of that basically and say you want to put an inquisitor in yeah. there I mean, oof, chuck in yeah, another stuff. that's the thing if you want to do inquisition assassins which quite often you might want to take you yeah, you've got to get those from other sources, like other books. Um, and then also you've got your, your GT mission pack. If you're playing, if you, oh, yeah, of course. If you want to play a crusade game, you've probably got another bunch of crusade mission packs that you could potentially choose. There's a lot yeah. of choice with um, 9th edition. That's good, but it's also bad because people love new rules, but people don't like buying or having to lug rules around. Um, mm. and yeah, there's, this just, everyone talks about it as bloat and it's, it is a thing. And I think it just wears on people over time. Um, yeah, I agree. Even if it's like not necessarily just them in, in their armies, it's like their opponents or they're just seeing the releases hap- happen. And if there's someone that's quite casual that, you know, isn't on Warhammer community every single day, if you like, if you went yeah. on holiday for like a month, say lucky you, but if you came back, you'd just be a bit lost like as to what's happened in 40k because it changes so quick the pace is pretty relentless oh, yeah. um well the, the, this is the thing right we are what a month away from the next quarterly update that's going to have another massive impact on the game like it's just that thing where i just think we've gotten to a point where it's like and, and again, I, I know people may look down on me when I make these sorts of grand sweeping statements, but just sort it out, Games Workshop. Like, there's no reason for your game to be this bloated or this broken. Like, find a set of principles and build your game accordingly. Well, I think they are trying to do three games in one, right? They're trying to do open play, match play, and narrative slash crusade. Yeah, build, build systems accordingly. Have separate teams, like, build bring staff in who only worry about one version. Well, yeah, but I also mm-hmm. think it's almost like if those Warzone books were just crusade books, yeah, they might not sell as well, but at least you're selling them to the people who want them as opposed to yeah, yeah. making people buy them because they feel like they need to. It also, you know, yeah, yeah. isn't upsetting the balance of the meta 
for for the tournament scene as much um yeah, yeah so yeah i mean you could compartmentalize things a bit more or go you know there's match play tournament play is literally its own thing um yeah yeah but then they could still potentially churn out all this stuff but it's like cool it's crusade mm. don't care or oh it's tournament this is a tournament book don't care or you go i love it because that's what you're into like then they're still putting out as much as they currently are but people can compartmentalize whether they want it or not that's fair that's fair cool all right so that's warzone um so keeping it 40k related um i reckon we probably should just move into a sort of general summary of, of 2021 uh, I'm sure people listening will be like, but what about Warhammer Plus? Yeah. Uh, Warhammer Plus is its own thing, but it obviously does have an impact on the Warhammer 40,000 hobby, um, but it's not 40K specific. Although, again, it's 40K adjacent. They've got a lot of 40K content, but it has had an impact on, I suppose, the general health of the community and the perception of Games Workshop. And I think, you know, we're not trying to shy away from suggesting that you know, or rather we're not trying to shy away from talking about it, just doesn't necessarily directly influence 40k massively. But I think myself and Phil were pretty aligned on the fact that as a service, as a service, it's it's fine. It, it's nothing remarkable. I think they released it far too prematurely. I think it would have made more sense for them to have created content, to have distributed on other better established media platforms. Um, because I just don't understand why um a company that is as small as Games Workshop is on a on a on a in a in a broader sense would feel like they wanted to create their own subscription service where they're selling people, you know, TV shows and all the rest of it when there's already so many well-established business models out there. Um, so that was a bit bewildering to me. But the point is, is that Warmer Plus is fine. It's not great. The stuff they did with the animation community seems to be. Um, you know, dissipating now. If it seems like Games Workshop are having an about face on how they're treating their community of uh, content creators who want to animate based on the 40k and other Games Workshop IPs, which is good to see. But yeah, look, I mean, you know, Warhammer Plus has been a bit of an own goal. I think you know some of the series that they've got on there, generic Space Marine titled thing, Blood Quest, whatever it is. What's it called again? Phil? Angels of Death. Angels of Death, thank you. I always forget the name of that show. It's how memorable I, it is to me. But the point... Gone. It's a no, good it show, is. though, right? It is. It's, I, it's I just right. finished watching yeah, yeah. it today, and I was like... Yeah. It's, here's the thing. Story-wise, ten, not 9 or 10 out of 10. It's like really good. Really good story overall. 10 out of 10? Well, Phil. I mean... Can you, give me, can you give me a benchmark? What other stories would you give a 10 out of 10 in the world of... Uh... In the in the world of film and uh, TV media, oh, man, you're asking. Are you talking like season one Game of Thrones or something? Okay, yeah, it's not that, but it, it's a solid seven or eight. Then it's it, <laughs> all right. Okay, it, so it, Game of Thrones thing. season one is a ten. This in terms a... of forty k stories, which tend to be a bit, yeah, yeah. you know, hit or miss. Yeah. It's not bad. It's yeah, it's yeah. got some interesting stuff to it. Um, so you're 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 but you're 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 altering your standards by a 40k uh 40k it's like when you play a 40k game is it a good game or is it a good 40k game yes yeah, a good 40k game right i'll take it yeah, yeah um yeah. i think yeah, i think yeah. it's good that there's some really janky bits in it like some of the um faces 
a bit off or yeah the, the voice syncing like lip syncing isn't great but i don't mind that i know it really bugs some people things like some parts of the effects and explosions can just look a bit dodgy at times and then towards the end mm. you're a bit like is this a bit rushed who knows but i mean it's i i, I can forgive all that because i'm like it's what five six hours worth of animation like that's that's a big project like that's a lot so i'm quite impressed with it especially for like the one person that yeah. worked on it right and like, I, I mean... i've said it before uh, i'll say it again when the trailer first dropped we both absolutely hated it thought it looked rubbish i was like what, what? but again we were we were judging it against the standards of things like yeah. starties and and <clears throat> and other bigger productions you know but you know we didn't realize at the time that Games Workshop was still basically keeping the same kind of production philosophies or production methodologies in play, which is we got this one individual and this one individual is making everything uh, yeah. and that's it. And it's like, okay, someone else wrote aspects of the story. Obviously they had voice actors. It's not, you know, this one individual knew everything, but maybe it was like one individual with a, with a small support staff of, yeah. you know, people within the but, GW organization. But honestly, but, I think it's pretty good. Like it's, he, he, I, I yeah, found yeah. it really enjoyable, and I was sort of pleasantly surprised. And the more I watched, the more I enjoyed it. There's some, there's some really stunning visuals in it as well. Like, uh, it's not really spoilers, but there's a bit where a guy succumbs to the black rage. Like, spoilers. Oh, spoilers. Um, we, we've all, well, yeah, I won't talk about the quiz. Um, but uh, yeah, like the visuals of that is like phenomenal. Like how they've interpreted yeah, yeah. that actually happening. I was like, wow, right, this That's is cool. This is cool stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I finished watching it. I was like, I'd be quite happy if this is a one-off, and it's quite compartmentalized. They do sort of tease an extra thing so they could do a second season. But I'm at the same time like, yeah, you could just leave it as it's one off and just have like oh, guys like Squid Games, do another it? thing. Like the story is good enough on it in its own right; it doesn't need to carry on. But I could see it they try, them trying to make it like a bit of a franchise, a bit like a starties. Like, let's do a, a second, yeah. you know, follow up story to it and stuff, which which I think could be cool. You know, if you're going to go down that line, yeah. I'm like, do a hero series of minis for all the characters, like something like that. That's Ooh, yes. how you need to like monetize that stuff. Turn it into miniature form, basically. It's like the the circle is complete. It's the circle is, is the animation based on models, but then you make models based on the animations. That's yeah, how it it's works. A beautiful, it's a beautiful um, synergy. But that my, on my Squid Game point that I made earlier, like that sort of was the thing with Squid Games at the end, wasn't it? They, they kind of felt like they were just kind of shoehorning in the idea that a sequel's inbound, which obviously it will be. Yes, it's a global it, it, phenomenon. Yeah. It's not, I not mean, it, it wasn't sequel. a sequel baited as heavily as that. It was like a tiny little story tease, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I felt the same thing with like the first series of Stranger Things. Like I felt like at the end of the first series of Stranger Things, they basically decided that they were going to do another one so they did this sequence where the sheriff character who i forget the name of had to go out into the woods and leave you know waffalos in a in a in a in a field somewhere and it was that thing where it's like that feels so shoehorned on to the end and maybe that's the same with with this situation but um yeah i'm going to predict it though phil i want to be wrong but i think the next series of squid games is going to be rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah lightning and bottle is hard to hard to do Mate, that show time. my goodness that is a that is a broader 2021 topic that that we don't really want to necessarily get into because it, it it it's it's big but 
phenomenal yeah. show. I just can't believe <laughs> that they can keep that going into a sequel. It just, I just don't understand how you could do it. But hey, I'm really excited to be proven wrong. Um, right, look, there you go. So Warhammer Plus, look, we get it. It's getting better. I'm still a subscriber. I'm looking forward to getting my Orc War Boss at some point, and you'll get your Vindicare Assassin at some point. And you know, I, I've stopped watching it. I've I've not logged on to any of the Warhammer Plus services yeah. in well, well over. Well, three this, today was the first time I've done it in a while to catch up on like the second half of um, mm. Angels of Death. There's some new, cool looking Hammer and Bolter that I want to watch. But yeah, basically, yeah, once they stop, okay. sort of pushing out hammer and bolter every week i kind of dwindled off and didn't really have a reason to go back i was looking back at all the sort of releases that they've put out for like the vault and stuff and i was like beyond the initial release of me casually perusing the vault with all its you know white dwarf subscriptions and other stuff i haven't gone back to look like the the navigation's clunky it's really difficult to find stuff it's, oh, it's it's not in any a, particular order. Like if you could search for articles in White Dwarf, like show me all the heavy metal articles, show me all the painting mm. guides. Oh my god, that would be so useful. Like and their back catalog would be phenomenal if they could do that, but they won't because they're just yeah. all PDFs uploaded. Well, again, it's you know that requires them spending money on development. And at the moment, a lot of it's just off the shelf solutions. It's, it's sort it's, of cheap. cheap know, more or less, it's like a WordPress website, right? Like it's, it's, yeah. You know, it's like they went to Wix or whatever it was <laughs> oh and God. just got yeah. it done through that. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's not great. The, the vault. I mean, if you're into it, it's cool. The, the thing I, and, you know, and this was expectations on me and not false promises on games workshop, but not being very clear, the those books that are old expansions even like you know malign portents aos one stuff it's just law and arts they've they've stripped out all the old all, all the old edition rules yeah but they don't want to they don't want to give away old rule sets because you might play well, uh, yeah but i mean they they didn't they didn't ever say they didn't explicitly ever say when they advertised it when they talked about it on the live stream they didn't ever say this does not include the rules uh that come in that they just said you get the book here you go if you want to read about it you can and then they sort of say vaguely oh yes you can you can learn about the law but they don't explicitly ever state ever in any of their marketing material that yes this is just the law it doesn't include the rules and i had to go yeah. back through the articles re-watch the twitch stream at least twice now i've done it just to double check that i wasn't going mad or that they haven't stealth updated the blog post to edit out where yeah, they yeah, where yeah, they yeah. might have said it, and I was like, "Have I just misheard this?" And like, it's not like I misheard; it's just that they weren't very explicit about it. So they yeah. were very vague. So actually, when the vault came out, I was actually really disappointed because I was a bit like, "Oh, I want to go down memory lane." Like, I actually kind of want to get rid of my physical copies of Gathering Storm. But instead, I sort mm. of now feel obliged to keep hold of them just for the portion of the rules, even if we're never going to yeah, 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 use yeah. them because we're never... Oh, I'd like to use them. Well, again. exactly. So part of me is like, one day, maybe I would like to play 7th edition and I would like access to those rules. And if... As long as we don't use any of the formations, well, yes. it's an okay yeah, game. Yeah. So And some of the codexes yeah. are pretty busted it, as it, well. But it but, just you know. left me with a bit of a bad taste in my mouth like, a bit like oh no that's disappointing like i get why they've done it but they sort of set my expectations up wrong um 
Yeah, no, I, I hear you, pal. And I think that's broadly the case with a lot of that stuff. Uh, they did, another I, thing I was just sorry to interrupt. To... Uh, they did a similar thing with um, that they at launch or just prior to launch, they did stay on the website like, oh, they're going to do animations weekly. And then they updated it to say most weeks. So they can get away with the weeks where they haven't updated, you know, or done any animations. Yeah, which is, yeah. That retrospective altering of, of, of their advertising is really interesting, or rather their, their promotional material, because it kind of shows a willfulness on their part that, and again, but again, it, it, it's weird, right? Like, cause us as a community don't necessarily really hold them to account for it, but that kind of stuff isn't really very appropriate, right? You shouldn't be releasing lies and then retrospectively going back and changing them and, uh, so, because again, like it just—it's just, it's just a or at least without um, acknowledging it to say, "Yeah, sorry, we told you this, but we, we've well, if you, we've changed." If you it. acknowledge it, then you could be—you could be, you know, held mm. accountable for the for that. It's better just—I mean, it, the whole thing's just weird. I, well, I, I find the, the, it, well, the, I mean, a, a great example. You're adventurous. A great example. No. no, no. Well, I mean, obviously that's one thing, but but you know, obviously, yeah, that whole weird face change thing, but which was funny um but that that was 2020 though not 2021 so we're not going to talk about it now but um no, although no, maybe it was 2021 all oh, right fine well yeah they changed his face but the point i was going to get to more is the warhammer 40,000 app that has apparently as of now supposed to support the crusade system in depth doesn't do it well yeah they, that warhammer 40,000 app is yeah, rubbish i shouldn't bring this up but they they, they don't state it supports they said that we're laying the foundations for crusade which I think they said pretty much at the beginning of the year. And it's like, it might do technically in the back end on the database, but we've not, we've not yeah, seen yeah, any yeah. of it. It's been over a year since crusade launched as part of ninth edition. And, you know, this year, one of my key takeaways is that crusade is great. Everyone should play more crusade. Uh, I know you have a different opinion on it, but I'm a bit like, I feel like they need to support crusade more and not having it in the app again is a barrier to entry just in terms of how do you manage your armies you know yeah there's some other websites that might do it for you um or like how do you build an army because the army builder within the app is really clunky it's like you've got to go to battle or somewhere else and it's like no games workshop should be putting out the best version of this and not relying on third parties to do it for them um so yeah the app just feels like it's getting worse in terms of bugs uh in there and, and well, mistakes it, it, uh, that seem to exist did you hear something i mean on the topic of apps did you hear something funny that um people are now saying that the guy who created battlescribe has gone off the grid yeah i heard that a few months ago i've not ha- ha- seen any updates on it well that's the thing though because battlescribe itself has not been updated as an application in ages, right? Like that's the broad consensus mm. I'm hearing is that, I mean, it's weird because obviously all my updates happen, happen automatically while I'm asleep and who knows what other software is getting put on there to monitor everything that I do. And one day, you know, enslave me to whatever. But the point is, is that, um, you know, if that app isn't being updated, certainly on like the Apple platforms to, to accommodate for new kind of software, um you know changes eventually if it is that the guy who's released battlescribe has has essentially gone off the grid 
and isn't updating his application anymore, there'll come a point where you can't use it on modern operating systems, uh, which will be an interesting uh, conundrum because then we'll all be stuck. Yeah, yeah, basically, because uh, Apple's really good at like um, certain versions of apps just get phased out every time they release a new OS. So that could yeah, happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I joked ages ago, Games Workshop just silently like slipped him some money to not do any updates so over time it will just eventually disappear and it won't be anyone's fault well i got my reminder the other day it's like oh your uh your your support subscription thing is coming to an end and i i remembered that whole point about battlescribe maybe going off the grid at some point but um but yeah warhammer plus is yeah it's it's i'm not warhammer plus sorry warhammer forty thousands app the the whole app it's 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 abysmal. It's a terrible, terrible application. But um, that you know, I try and use it, but it it's 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 the most unuser friendly thing they've. It's it's, it's awful. It's, it's great it's... if you just use the search function to find a yeah, yeah. unit entry, and you know exactly how to spell exactly yeah. what you're yeah, looking yeah. for in the exact way it's written. Like you can't say terminator chaplain you have to say chaplain in terminator yeah armor. yeah, yeah. There, like, there's lots of weird you know. oddities that it's like if you want to find a weapon you can you could probably search for it but once you found that weapon profile you can't then find any associated units that use that weapon so you kind of need to know mm. what the unit is to begin with that if you want to find that weapon otherwise or if you go oh what um if you find a stratagem that say uses Astarte shotguns. And you're like, okay, what unit has Astarte shotguns? You you won't know. You've got to literally go through every unit entry to find out. There's no, you know, easy search yeah. stuff. Like, and my problem with the Warhammer app, I think it's good as a reference. Like when I'm gaming, I don't use my books at all. I just, you know, on the fly, oh, Avenger Strike Fighter. I quickly type in the first few letters, found it, bosh got the stats to remind yeah, myself yeah. oh hades drill what's the toughness of that it's seven but i would when i'm trying to learn the unit i would just quickly search and find the two or three or four units i'm trying to find in terms of stratagems and stuff i tend to always remember them so i'm not looking at other stuff it just tends to be profiles that i've got to that i'm trying to remember or look up so for that i find it really good it's very fast but for anything else, it's yeah, it's not very user friendly. And what concerns me, let's say, is there hasn't been any updates to the app beyond content. They haven't made any improvements. They haven't updated the UI. They nope. haven't updated, you know, the fact that like if if you if you want to search for a rule, you've got to go to the core uh, book tab. And then you can search. If you want to find a terrain rule or an advanced rule, you've got to do that under the I can't remember what it's called, the left hand one, which has all the reference, the reference has all the section. faction specific rules. You've got to go yeah. there to search for those. But yeah, if you want awesome. to look up like all the guard rules, you can't just go faction guard. You've got to go, is it Astra Militarum Codex? Is it uh forge world imperium compendium is it psychic awakening is it you've got to search by publication which isn't easy yeah. to do so there's and and the army list creator is terrible like that you can't do the nuances at all in it like if you you know like the amount of warlord traits that aren't present in the right places the amount of relics that aren't present 
options that just aren't it's, it's an or it just throws up a, a bunch of errors and stuff because it's saying you've oh, not yeah, done yeah. something because you can't or yeah it's not even though you can and it's it's yeah it's an it's an awful piece of software like they and 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 the thing and the reason why i'm happy saying that now is it's been a year and a half since it came into existence and now there's no excuses now it's just terrible that you know like early doors i was like this is bad but hopefully it'll get better Nah, it's if, not going to get better. It, yeah, I mean, it, it, who knows? They might do like a 2.0. They might do a complete we, we, we know range refresh of it. it. It feels like they've probably spent their time doing an, AI, doing doing an AOS version, which is exactly the same and still got the same ultimately flawed I mean, AOS UI. guys must be irritated because the, the Azura, Azura system they had before was better. And, and free or 99p a month it, all, it was for the paid yeah, version yeah. it was dirt cheap um yeah and it was it, but it feels like they're spending they quite a slick ui yeah, for it, it, it feels was, like it this right. time like that they're, they're either spending all their time just doing data entry for the new codexes or yeah, yeah. they've just spent all their time developing the aos version which feels like a reskin of the 40k one i'm sure it's more complicated than that but poor. as you said, poor AOS players. They deserve as you said, we've, spent, we've had a year and a half, and we haven't really had any like functional updates to the actual app, it's which is really what you want. Because it's a it's another example of them doing everything on the cheap. There's no reason why they had to do it on the cheap, but they're doing it on the cheap, and that's what you're seeing. It's it's you know, if they brought in a project manager with half a brain and someone with industry experience and someone with technical capabilities concerning app development. They could probably outsource this thing to a really, really fantastic group of developers who could make it into something special. You know, Warpedia is infinitely better and it is entirely free, put together by the efforts of a bunch of, you know, fans somewhere in the world. Like, it's just, you know, it's inexcusable that that, that freely available software is is beyond better than what you sell to people. Yeah. In my opinion, Warhammer 40,000's app is atrocious, and I'm comfortable saying that at this point. Um, but the thing is, I think they feel like they've gotten away with it because they've basically gone, they've shifted the focus over the Warhammer Plus. Warhammer 40,000 app is now just part of it, so they don't feel so it, yeah, obliged to do it. Sort of hidden the costs, I guess, because originally they made it free for the beta period, and then it was for. No, it's never been free. Well, there was there was a it's few never rolling. Been free. You got a free month if you gave them a tenner and pro- or a fiver and promised. Yeah, to and keep then well, I think it sort of went next... down super cheap. Then it went up to like oh yeah, two quid. Well, then yeah. it went back up in price, and then before just before they rolled it into Warhammer Plus, they they made it yeah one ninety nine or whatever it was. So they did make it cheap again. Yeah. But now, as you say, they've yeah. shifted that cost into warhammer plus to give that value for money yeah 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 it's awful so hopefully 2022 they'll fix that but we'll talk about that later uh right okay there you go general vibes on 40k i'm gonna start phil i'm gonna be selfish and start you can close it out so this was an interesting year 2020 was obviously incredibly unique um as we all came to terms with all the various things we needed to come to terms with and one of the interesting things that happened with 40k is is we got probably the most competitively orientated version of the game ever created not that the game was actually balanced or actually 
truly kind of competitive in the way people wanted it to be necessarily or feel like it could be, but they, you know, tailored everything towards the competitive player base. As I said, during the initial impressions of ninth edition, the inmates have taken over the asylum. And I stand by that. I think this is the most competitive orientated version of 40k they've ever created. And I think that is to the overall detriment of the game, but over, you know, I'm a hardcore enough fan that I, that I persevere with it. And I make my own fun by playing versions that kind of go off the beaten path of, 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 you know, GT mission pack play strict, terrain placement so on and so forth but what was unique about 2021 is it's essentially the culmination of those ideologies coming into you know physical form manifesting themselves in reality because so much of what we did during the course of 2020 was come to terms with the new rules theory craft and ultimately play a sterilized um heavily uh modified adaptation of the game via tabletop simulator everyone who was playing 40k during the course of the early parts of 2021 for the majority of instances were consuming competitive content and replicating competitive content via a simulation of the game in a lot of instances i heard people went so far as to math hammer outcomes so they didn't even roll dice within tabletop simulator they just basically ran a maths hammer equation and said this unit kills this unit because math hammer says so which again is a really interesting way of kind of eliminating some of the randomness, some of the fun, some of the really actually quite expressive elements of the game. And I think that's basically come to the forefront in terms of what we've seen go out into the wild now. So once obviously the doors open up, we had huge levels of support, support for the competitive scene, events selling out left, right and center, people falling over themselves to, to, to get out there and play 40K. It's been, you know, a year now and we're all chomping at the bit and we're all excited to test our ability as generals and everyone's optimized based on all the latest stuff that the various competitive people have told them is the best. And, you know, I think the result of that is, is that, you know, I think a lot of people came out of the, came out of the, 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 you know, the lockdowns with a very interesting idea of what 40k had become. And I think that ideology has kind of started to dissipate throughout the course of 2021. And I think people are starting to kind of come to the terms of the fact that, maybe competitive play isn't quite the be or an end all. But I think one of the things that's really interesting is, is that there is becoming a kind of divisional mindset in terms of those that are kind of hardwired competitive players and those that are probably trying to be more narratively orientated. And I think there is this kind of weird disconnect between the two because it's evident that competitive content, competitive output draws an audience far easier and far more consistently than stuff that's geared towards the more kind of casual, maybe, you know, narrative player bases. But bizarrely, the biggest kind of content creators in the community are those that probably talk more generally about the games, your tabletop titans, not tabletop titans, sorry, they're certainly not that more tabletop tactics and people like Valric and, and Winters who have a more kind of fun hobby ideology seem to definitely achieve greater uh, results than 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 those that are very kind of competitive focused but then also certain individuals in that space have been around for longer my point is is that the year's been interesting because everything has been kind of filtered through competitive ideologies and everyone communicates about 40k 
within the various online forums that are available to us. And people have become so obsessed within those spaces about what is competitive. I think they've lost sight of a lot of the kind of more creative, more fun aspects of the game. And I think the discourse around 40K has become really stilted. I think people basically are afraid to suggest that they want to collect an army of all tanks because it's fun. Because if they go on to one of the various forums, the you know, that communicate around 40K, people will belittle them and suggest that what they're doing is wrong. And I think this is the problem with the way that the hobby has developed in the kind of ecosystem that is online during the pandemic. I think a very specific sector of the audience has been able to kind of become more audible. And I think they have essentially created this misrepresentation uh, of the hobby as a whole. And I think Games Workshop also, unfortunately, are heavily pandering to that audience at the moment. And I think it is also having a, uh, a negative effect, rather, on the overall kind of perception of the game. I think, I think people, for the most part, are relatively unimpressed with the way that the releases are going. And I think people just want to have fun with their toy soldiers rather than being obsessed about being the best, you know, 40K player. Although, obviously, innately you want to be competitive, innately you want that aspect of it. But I think it's just, it's a really weird time. Like, I think 40K has had a weird year. I am a hardcore fan and I've loved it for years. And, you know, I can turn on the kind of competitive ideologies if I need to, but I've spent the majority of the year playing armies that are not objectively competitive. Um, and I've been going to events purposely bringing armies that I know I'm not going to win with, but I'm just trying to have fun with. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to be enthusiastic about that style of gameplay because unfortunately, when you go to events now from the bottom to the top, it's filled with killers. And I think that's the problem. It's like, it's, it's, it's more difficult than ever to have fun playing this game within those kind of settings. And it's, 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 uh, it's very try hard um, at, at, at all times, but I don't know. I can hang fine enough in those environments, but I think it's just interesting to see what it's doing to the general discourse. But what has been reassuring for me is I've seen a, a lot of players now actually starting, or rather a lot of hobbyists starting to become more vocal on their opinions on this and starting to try and kind of push back against that. But it is a few very kind of key people doing that at the moment, as opposed to the kind of general sentiment. So I don't want to seem overly negative about it. I'm just saying that, I think the problem is, is that Games Workshop have tried really hard over the years to create a game that accommodates everybody. And it feels like 40K of old did a better job of being a, a system that accommodated multiple ways of playing. Whereas now it just feels like it's very competitive focus. And I think that is a negative. Uh, and I think the stratagem system is completely busted and needs completely overhauling. Um, so hopefully we'll start to see some changes to that because it's horribly bloated. But there you go. Look, there's a lot of diatribe about my general vibes on 2021. It's an interesting year. Um, I think it's basically, it's it's the internet made manifest. Um, it's everything that people have been talking about brought to life um, this year. But I think people are now starting to, 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 to settle. And I'm hopeful that in 2022, we'll have more varied ways of engaging with the hobby. What do you think, Phil? I'm like telling you that, slipped in that little jab at stratagems uh at the end um not to say it's not um undeserved i, I think i've noticed even more competitive uh talking head folks uh youtube pundits and and the like talk about stratagems saying there's just too many in general that they would almost like a, a deck building element to stratagems to minimize 
the number that you take and the number that you you know can be gotcha'd by by your opponent because if up front you go here's my five or eight stratagems that i'm taking in my army you can play a game knowing full well exactly what they can all do and not have a sudden curveball because you know the latest uh, warzone books come out and unlocked uh, you know another 15 stratagems that your army can use uh, that your opponent isn't aware of yet because it's you know came out a few weeks ago or you know could have come out a few months ago but you know they've just never seen them or bought the book themselves and, and stuff like that it is you're right it's also been the most competitively minded year of 40k it feels like but also the most for me the most disappointing year of competitive 40k like i I can't say i've ever liked it to be honest when we had eighth edition and we had um the you know gt like missions even like the chapter approved stuff like the chapter approved eternal war missions like i was always a bit like okay right I'll, i'll do them uh weirdly these are the types of missions i prefer now more in hindsight um in comparison to the current form of gt missions but i was much more like yeah maelstrom's really cool that's really fun and interesting i would pick that over eternal war now i would pick eternal war over the gt missions but this year we had the gt uh chapter approved book that was effectively a, a reprint of the previous years with a couple of changes in it um and now they've pretty much announced that there's going to be a new one coming out the start of next year so if you did buy that book that didn't have a spiral bind in it uh like we did because we do a podcast it that chapter approved lasted like six months if that so that was a complete waste of time and money for everyone involved i don't know why games workshop even bothered with that so that again was another one of those like disappointing moments where you're like why 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 have you done this um it could have just been uh, a, a, a PDF FAQ update, you know, a, a freebie, throw one in there to keep the fans happy if it was really only going to be valid for six months, uh, which is what the implication is from what Games Workshop have said. Um, but yeah, you're right. Overall, community seems to be very competitive focused, especially in terms of like YouTubers, um, people that get around, that sort of thing. Um, but also Games Workshop's focus, like Warhammer community tends to do, you know, does Meta Watch, which is just all about tournaments. They don't do a similar thing for Crusade or Open Play. When was the last time you saw anything to do with Open Play, like that deck building um, mission structure uh, on Warhammer community? They don't ever push that as a concept or way of playing. If you're a new player, you probably don't even know that, that exists, basically. Um, when it I'd say even if you were a long-time established player, I think it's yeah, it's just it's it's just not on everyone's yeah, radar. But they are the best ways of playing 40k. Like this year, I played some Open War, I played some Crusade. Love them both. Love them way more than um, competitive play. But the focus of Games Workshop is competitive. Like they do, they it's not even like Warhammer community isn't very hobby focused either. Come come to think of it, like. They do from the mind of Mengel, who's he's got his own blog and he does articles like painting articles. They occasionally do community armies um, and bring people on and, and photograph their armies and showcase them. Really few and far between, it feels like. It's mostly previewing new minis, previewing new rules, alternate 
those two elements oh plus web comics and stuff which is cool i mean a lot of that's going to depend on how they are uh how they are judged on their performance if it is that obviously they're trying to drive clicks then i'm assuming that they get a lot more clicks for their competitive rules and or um quite, quite, miniature quite content than yeah i mean I, I i've liked it when i've seen stuff in necromunda because that uh, they do have like a series that's all about like how to be an arbiter arbitrator um like uh, the people that run the necromunda campaigns and like give you advice on how to run them and stuff which i think is cool um yeah i'd like to see a bit more of a shift in focus onto more narrative and crusade or just general hobby elements like you know that i think some of it they hold back for white dwarf for the times that they do it but it would be cool to see warhammer community show off more of those aspects of the of the hobby and even when they're like previewing rules it's always like oh my god this is so good it's going to totally wipe out your opponent like you should be totally hyped that you know tower going to be mental good or drakari are going to be here's some really cool combos that you can do that are kind of broken here we are teaching you them as part of our Warhammer community article so we can get you all pumped up for whatever codex is coming out. It feels like they never used to do that, but they really sort of lean into it now um, more so than ever before. Yeah. It's weird though as well, right? Because part of me obviously is aware of the fact that I've become closer to the hobby through this podcast than... I mean, this is the thing. I've always been a, a, a really, you know hardcore user of like 40k and games workshop and all the rest of it i've I've been in super engaged with this thing forever but the 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 thing is is i think through doing the podcast maybe we've gained a little bit more kind of exposure to the event scene or you know because it used to be that you and i would just do a few warhammer world events a year and the odd indie but i think definitely throughout the course of say 2019 i started doing more indie events as i was uh trying out to you know be more of a kind of competitive player and certainly this year has been ridiculous like i'm heavily restricting myself in 2022 to to how many kind of competitive events i want to sort of focus on but the point is is that i think you know obviously we have a unique vantage point because we have started going to a lot more events and things because you know they're fun weekends away and so on and so forth but irrespective i think even if you discount that there's still that kind of prevailing sentiment towards the competitive play and the way that the, the hobby is kind of leaning more into that direction with the way that they write rules with the way that they promote that style of play and the way that, you know, the main kind of uh, representatives of the hobby now are, are kind of communicating, you know, again, if you go back seven years uh, to, to, to 2014 um, you go back to the 2014 version of 40 K and we knew that back in 2014, around 6th edition, that there were all these busted, horrible armies that people could run. And you heard tale on Bell of Lost Souls or the Warseer forums that, you know, this army was crazy and all the rest of it. But it wasn't really the mainstream at that time. It was kind of like a periphery part of of, of the hobby. And you got the odd report back from what was happening at um, the European team tournaments or whatever. And you might listen to um oh, what were they called allies of convenience podcast back in the day and they talked a lot about competitive 40k and it was interesting hearing about like those competitive builds because it was so alien to what you were used to experiencing from a more generic 40k perspective and again 
this could just be me specifically, but that was the case. And then, you know, you think about the kind of the leaders of the community back then, the kind of main channels, the outlets back then, it was people like striking scorpion, um, Templar's Crusade, if you remember that guy back in the day who used to do loads of like hobby content. Yeah, I totally remember uh, him because he used to do a Krieg army. It's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Love him. But you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an absolute crying shame that Templar's Crusade doesn't oh, do content sure. before he came yeah. anymore. I think he's um again, tabletop tactics were coming into existence uh, at that point back in sort of 2014. But you know, the majority of what those guys did was fun interesting narratively sort of interesting games striking scorpion always had this weird kind of turn up come along and play me or i win every game miraculously type of vibe to to his to his output but again the game looked gorgeous there was a real celebration of the hobby element of it you know when you saw those tables people used to play on it was just gorgeous and and that's the thing it's like you know now everything sort of feels like it's been sort of diluted down into this really dull version of things it's like every time i go online and i look at someone creating content around 40k it's the same tedious terrain layout all the albeit with slightly different bits of terrain but broadly you know performing the same function and you know it just it's it's just and it, and it's lots of maths and lots of like ridiculous stuff it's like it's just difficult to instill narrative or enthusiastically interesting moments or, or within. fun. Yeah, exactly. It's just the thing. And that's the thing about open war. Open war can be competitive. Um, as demonstrated at um, the, the rapid fire war gaming event. But the thing is, is that it's just not, I don't know. It just, you just don't get the big numbers like you do at, at, when you're playing the GT mission. So I get it. Right. But like, yeah, but that, that's my vibe for 2021, as I think, unfortunately, it was inevitable that we were going to find ourselves in a situation where we were more at the mercy of the competitive community because they've become the dominant voice online. And we have all been forced into those online spaces as a means of communicating with each other during the time of 2020 and, and early 2021. And, you know, these gaming clubs and these establishments that we might have been part of in 2019, early 2020 have you know, not really been a priority. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that I'm looking forward to in 2022, again, spoilers for the next bit of this, but, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting back into a regular gaming club scene and and, and playing regular normal games and, you know, experimenting with different armies and having fun with it. You know, I'm really excited about the doubles. I'm really excited about a lot of things, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. But for the case of 2021, I just sort of felt like, I think it was a lot of us getting a lot of pent up 40k out of our system. And I think we've had that now. And I think hopefully things will settle down in, in 2022 and a bit of uh, a bit of normality will resume in terms of how people approach this and, you know, engage with the hobby because that's, that's what I want to see. I, I, you know, I, I, and don't get me wrong though. If competitive 40k is your jam, I'm well happy for you. If you love this for what it is, good on you. And it's great. Like, it's amazing. But I'm just basically voicing the fact that I'm not one of you. <laughs> but I I respect the fact that you are and that you love it. And I'm grateful that you do because, you know, if 40K should be enjoyed by everyone. But that's the point. 
is it should mm. be enjoyed by everyone. Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, here's a weird thing. Like, there is so many good and interesting ways to play 40k that they've put out this year. They've done they've done three oh, yeah. crusade packs. Um, each one has like, dare I say, like 50 missions in, all unique. Uh, one of them is specifically all about like multiplayer games, which we talked about on the previous episode. They've done four Warzone books. Not all of them, but a lot of them have like uh, legendary missions and um, kind of crusade uh, or crusade slash campaign structures to them. There's tons of stuff in White Dwarf. In fact, the best missions and rules that I've seen are all the uh, Flashpoint stuff in White Dwarf. I feel like it's almost like a tragedy that is in White Dwarf and no one's seeing it and that they're not in the Warzone books. Because to me, that feels like such valuable, interesting content. I'm like, why is it not in the book that I'm paying for? Why is it in White Dwarf? That yes, I am. I, I am paying but for. You're paying for. But it's a subscription, or at least for me, it's a subscription. Um, yeah, I just find it weird that it's not in the books because again, it's a bit like that kind of DLC concept of the Warzone books themselves. It's like, should this not be in the Codex? And I'm like, you're making me get the White Dwarf, but this should really be in the Warzone book even if it makes it a bit fatter, but they're trying to make White Dwarf its own interesting thing, which I, is, is an interesting topic mm. in and of itself. But it feels like there's no focus to any of these things. And I do, I've had plenty of chats with people online. It feels like people know it's there. People are playing it. I know plenty of people playing Crusade. It's all come out of the woodwork, but you, there just doesn't seem to be the online presence of it. I think this morning, no. I was trying to, I was trying to not Google, I was trying to search on Facebook a Facebook group for Crusade Gaming. Could I find one? No. There are at least two massive competitive 40k groups. I'm in one of them. I can't remember how big it is. The other one had like 4,000 people in. I was like, there's, there's another one. I didn't realize there was two. I didn't bother joining that one. I was trying to find this cru- cru- Crusade group. Couldn't find a single one. And I was like, what? why isn't there one? Is it maybe I maybe I should search for like narrative or something else i don't know if anyone knows let me know because i'm really keen to join one and just see what how people are playing Mm. it and that's the thing i want to that you don't get because no one's talking about it no one's talking about how they play crusade what their overall campaign structure is or if someone's narrating it or adminning it it's all that sort of stuff you know if you're getting into it for the first time you probably want a bit of guidance on in terms of how you should go about it so yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one that there is that kind of division and there's this focus on competitive uh, play. I mean, I would love for us yeah. to do a little roundup about our hobbying, but maybe we'll save that for the outro when we talk about the, the stuff we've done personally in our... Um... Stop shaking your head, Dan. Stop shaking your head. No, no, I, I was going to... My shaking my head was to be like, no, mate, let's do it now, is where I'm at. With no, it. let's, let's, let's save it, it for the Why outro. Not? Our 20... You want to save it for the outro? 21 hobby retrospective, yeah. Yeah. Is the outro. Okay, fine. Well, if that's going to be the outro, then that's pretty much going to conclude our thoughts on 2021. I think we covered the broad breadth of, of topics. It's been a really would you, interesting year. Would you give it a thumbs up uh, or a thumbs down? Um... I'd give it neither. I'd say for me, it, it it's absolutely, it's a filler year is the way I look at it. I think 2021, ninth edition in general, this whole situation that they find themselves in with it is I just don't think they know what they're doing with it. And I don't think that 
the, uh, the 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 decisions they're making around their kind of core design principles are respect are especially good, but I don't think that it's especially bad either. I just think it's sort of it's just perpetuating what they've created and 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 this is the thing. I'm I'm disappointed. I suppose. I mean, if I was leaning towards a a, a, a summary, I'd be. I suppose I would be negative, which is a shame because I don't like being negative, but. I remember how optimistic and excited I was when I read that new Marine decks, when that new Marine decks dropped in 2020, I was like, this is great because what this demonstrates to me is that the core principles of ninth edition books is to create balance balances at the heart of everything. Because early doors of that Marine book, I'm reading it going, nothing in this makes me feel like it's broken. Everything is well considered but the reason, obviously, why that was the case is because they had the 2019 Space Marine book to essentially bounce everything off. They could go, right, OK, well, we really mucked up with Centurions. Nerf them. The double shooting on these aggressors is a bit dumb. Knock that down. Giving these guys the core keyword is dumb. Get rid of that. Like, you know, they were able to take the learnings of the Space Marine 2019 book and apply them in 2020, which is why I think that's the case. But I think the problem is, is I don't think the same level of due diligence has obviously been done. And I think, again, we've ended up in a situation where we've ended up with these ridiculously powerful armies that are insanely good versus their competition. And then conversely, we've ended up in a situation where, you know, they've just consistently released so many rules in so many different ways that are mostly catering towards that competitive player base that it's just been, you know, again, I imagine if you go back and listen to all of the podcasts that we produced, all 52 of them, that we've put out in the course of, of well, 51, not including this one, that we put out in the course of of, of, um, of 2021. I think there's a lot of times where I'm relatively negative about stuff. And also as well, I'd like to say that the, the you know, the, the way they, these codexes are structured, I find them really hard to get into. Like I'm, I am the least interested in reading codexes right now because of how they are written. Like I just, I just think they're just too much um i just find them an exercise in frustration to sort of get my head around the way the rules yeah, are there's definitely a bit back and forth between the layout of where um certain army rules sit uh like then you get yeah. like upgrades uh you know your chapter masters you get your relics and war, war gear and yeah. stratagems then you get crusade then you get another bunch of army specific um abilities but these ones just seem like they're more tied to data sheets as opposed to the other ones which are like army-wide benefits so they're not in the same place yeah that that one's um a little bit on the confusing side for sure yeah i would i would give this year five out of ten that's it's 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 smack bang in the middle um it's just it's it's um yeah it yeah, it's, it's for, not for what should be year two of an, an edition, which should be a really exciting year. Lots of codexes coming out. Everyone's getting their new rules. It should be a pretty positive stage because everything's new and interesting. The metas should be settling per se to an extent. Like people are getting used to the game. People are starting to actually get their head around the rules okay go this is how we actually play it we're not making mistakes like from when we first learned the new game um so it should be really positive no one should be fatigued no one should be bored of playing the same stuff although weirdly people aren't in the competitive scene 
you know, I'm just going to make a little dig. They've, they've been literally playing the same, is it six missions or ten missions uh, from the GT mission pack? I can't is it remember. It's, it's more, yeah. 2,000 points? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a D33, essentially. Yeah, so, so, it's, so it's they've been playing mission. the same missions for basically the two years. Like, all of this year, all of last year, exact same missions. But there's always other cool missions in Crusade. Or even in the cool rulebook under Crusade. All this cool stuff. The old Eternal War stuff. Uh, but anyway, like, this is the first year where I've really noticed people already go just burn it all down, like bring on 10th edition, like so bored of 9th edition. And these are like prominent like YouTubers, but not us, obviously. Um, uh, pro prominent people, like people that enjoy, I n normally would enjoy competitive play. It's weird to see those people that are the advocates of effectively the system they've created around competitive play actually be frustrated with it the most. And go no i need a reset and i want 10th edition already because normally you would expect that towards the end of an edition you know once psychic awakening got going by the end where we were like oh there's a lot of rules below or we could do with a bit of a tidy up with the rules and stuff and you know faith edition we had a ton and ton of like beta updates tweaking the rules mm. over the time so it really needed it this time we don't really have that it's almost like the absence of uh, uh, FAQs and updates this time, although they have obviously started to address that with the um, the balanced data sheets, for example. Um, but yeah, it's weird that so early on people are already saying they don't want the edition. Yeah, strange, isn't it? But again, I, I, you know, and I think that uh, that questionnaire that Games Workshop put out is an interesting one because I think that that was an interesting thing to see. But again my belief is is that a bunch of people who love the competitive stuff went on there and said how much they love it because that's something they love it right like this this competitive community love it and that's great it's great and maybe that's the thing phil maybe maybe 40k isn't for us anymore maybe over time people like you and me who are the old salty vets who have been playing this thing for editions and editions maybe we're just it's just not for us anymore maybe games workshop want to focus on the hip young consumers who 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 love this 40k competitive ideology and you know if that is the case fine you know maybe inevitably phil we're just getting to that point where we should just go off and play exactly. like the old well, men we're, that we're, we're getting becoming. to that age so it's it's probably meant but, to be but i don't think that's true though I've, i think this is the thing i i'm so still invested and that's the thing as well right because i hate these types of conversations because i hate the idea of someone listening to this and thinking well these guys are just a bunch of games workshop haters they hate it it's like i seriously don't hate it because i put out a podcast every week talking for hours about this topic i'm so passionate about it. it's unbelievable it's like you know i i i've invested so much money in in collecting and being engaged with this hobby i love it and that's the thing i suppose is that maybe maybe i love it too much maybe that's the problem i, I think but, that's um, fair enough and i think it's it, the more passionate you are, the more it is to please you, I think. So I, I think yeah. overall, even the most diehard 40K fan will say, yeah, there's been some issues this year that could be better, could have been done better in the first yeah. place. Some of it is circumstance, you know, in terms of like release schedule and 
shipping and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, God, like, um, not being able to, you know, produce stock, for example. So a lot of stuff you can forgive. Some stuff you're like, nah, this really needs to be worked on and improved. But I think most people would, yeah, look back, go a good, uh, an overall, an all right year in terms of like the miniatures. Forty k is a as a rule set. Ah, bit of a bit of an odd one. Just very unbalanced, I think, from at least the competitive um, side of things. Um, but maybe that's the thing, though, isn't it? Because they've illustrated and demonstrated that they are willing to listen and to try and fix things. So maybe twenty two is going to be exciting. Maybe it's going to maybe it's going to be the the well, really of it, You know, yeah, yeah. maybe. And, and that's what I want more than anything. I want to have this conversation in 2022 and praise what they've done. I, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them. You know, I'm very excited about what 2022 could hold because I do think that I think, as I say, we've exercised the demons. We've, we've allowed the impact of 2020 to have its kind of influence on the way people communicate and engage with the game. But I think there has been a, been, been some, you know, equilibrium established between the competitive the, and 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 the broader kind of more hobby community, and I think we're in a, an exciting point where I do think maybe now as people start going back into stores and playing in local clubs and doing things more regularly with their friends rather than focusing on competitive play, that I think things will start to dissipate and eventually we're going to get good. And I'm hopeful that this new mission structure they're going to release will will give us something to get excited about again. I'm hopeful. I, I remain hopeful. I, I, I toiled through the uh, events of, um, you know, sixth and seventh edition. I, I, I stuck with GW during those times. I continue to invest in, you know, miniatures and, and rules. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not someone who's going to be abandoning the cause anytime soon, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, I think it's important that people like you and I, you know, speak truthfully about where we're at with it at the moment and what we've observed and what we've, what we've, what we've come to understand as the current state of things. So if that has been, you know, shocking to you as a listener, or you're frustrated by our perspective on these things, you know, it is what it is, but at the same time, understand that all we want is the best for it. We want this community to thrive and for us all to be able to enjoy the hobby in all the different ways that we enjoy it. And I think that's the thing. I think, I think I want to see those improvements. Roll on 10th edition. <laughs> Phil was smiling to that video. I was expecting him to no, say something. Um, I'm, I'm just, as, a, as a summary, I think, yeah, the, the all the negatives have mostly been focused on um, competitive play. If you, if you don't, if, you don't yes, if you're not into that, if you're, again, if you're playing Open War and Crusade, it's been a good year a lot of cool stuff well open more has stayed the same it's just a deck of cards you're still having fun there's people like rapid fire wargaming putting on events using the open war deck system brilliant i did my mission cogitator random mission generator page on my website that people seem to like really cool ways of playing the game tons of ways of playing crusade like they're all the all the warzone books i think is a fantastic way of releasing crusade content because you only really need to pick it up if it's relevant to your uh, faction if not you can kind of ignore it and it doesn't really matter so i think if you're if you're not taking the game so seriously you're probably having a whale of a time 
Um, but you will still probably be aware of the competitive scene, aware of the bo- boogies, bo- bogies, no, the, the boogeyman, the boogeyman, boogie uh, under your bed boogie. with his orc rucker trucks or his, uh, you know, no, I know, not, not anymore, anymore, mate, but, not anymore. Know, the hive guards or with his tire, yeah, whatever will be next. Like you, it feels like that spoils it for everyone else because everyone focuses on that as such a negative it's a handful of people running those lists in the world you probably unless you're going to tournaments yeah, yeah. you're never going to play them unless your mate is one of those people that's just like i've just bought all the hive guard at my local shop just wait till i've got some primer on and we're having a fun game as he manically laughs to himself um running down the street full of boxes of hive guard i mean I, I, I mean, those people do exist, but again, few and far between. You can just choose not to play them. I think most people are probably really enjoying themselves playing 40k. And I think there's a there has been, because I, I just want to say, so, so we're not ending on a, a downer, has been a lot of positives uh, this year. Just, oh, yeah. just not really the competitive scene. Um, so just put, yeah. you, put your little blinkers on, focus on the fun bits that you're enjoying and just do that. I mean that is, I mean that is a, a good a good way of uh, summarizing as well, mate. In terms of the things that have been good, right, and and there have been some good stuff. Um, you know, I, I I genuinely think that there has been some some good elements to it. I think um, you know some of the releases have been really strong. I think some of the miniatures have been gorgeous. I think the you know the community is 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 really doing some great things, and I think it's beautiful that. You know, we're coming out of these lockdowns and, and 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 getting together and playing games and helping to support each other. I think, you know, the community community has demonstrated on so many occasions that it's a, a great thing to be a part of. And, you know, 40K is a fantastic hobby to be involved with. And, you know, I, I, I you know, uh, there's a reason why I, I, I love doing all this stuff. It's it's it's, you know, I think it's been a five out of 10 year, but I think that I think even then it's still, you know, it five out of 10 is still, is still fine. It's, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's been all right. It's just, you know, I think that's the problem. I think we need to, I think we need to see what, what I, I just, I just at that point where I just want to get into 2022 and, and see what that has in store. I just want my craft well, release. It's not cracky. far off. I guess <laughs> we can, we can talk about that. Uh, next. Indeed. Indeed, we can, mate. But there you go. That has to have the record, Phil, for the longest segment that we have sat and recorded in one sitting. Spoilers, everyone. Normally, we actually break it up, but we've actually managed to go two and a half hours without any breaks. Madness. Um, which might be ever. I know, I know, the rambling mess of it all. But I suppose this is indic- indicative of the fact that we're not going to be putting out an episode for a few weeks after this comes out. So, uh, so in a way, we're kind of. Uh, giving you a lot to digest i guess over the over the next little while but um yeah thank you for listening to our ramblings on the topic of 2021 again love to hear your own thoughts on how it all went so please reach out to us on our social media and communicate with us about your own impressions of 2021 um you know i'm really excited to hear how other people found it and what highlights they have within it and Again, I think one of the things that has been a highlight is definitely some of the hobby aspects of it, which we're going to talk about in the outro. Um, but before we're going to talk about that, we've got to talk about what 2022 has in store as we imagine. And we're going to do that after this transitional noise.
All right, guys, despite saying that we were going to talk about 2022, that is now the end of the podcast because I'm not feeling tip top and I just ain't got it in me. But, you know, that segment was pretty long anyway, the whole 2021 retrospective. So I'm going to try and maintain the, you know, cognitive ability to communicate while we go through this outro and hopefully I'll be able to maintain a certain level of uh, lucidity throughout, but I'm definitely, I'm definitely foggy. It's uh, that, that intro was, was hard to do. Um, and it probably came across, but there we are. Um, some potentially controversial opinions in that 2021 recap, Phil. I mean, you got any uh, thoughts or feelings on that? Anything that you want to expand upon or, or, or talk well, about? Well, yeah. So um, I think, uh, well, since then, basically. So today, since we recorded that segment, I, I'd watched the last of the Hammer and Bolter um well, I don't know if it's the last, the last of this year's Hammer and Bolter episodes, uh, which is all about uh, Admech. And that was phenomenal. Like, I really loved it. I, in fact, Hammer and Bolter is like, if Warhammer Plus was just Hammer and Bolter and they could churn that out more, I would be pretty happy. Because I, I do like the Hammer and Bolter stuff the most, I would say. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, that sounds like... A... A pretty solid recommendation. I mean, that's the thing. It's not to say that Warhammer Plus doesn't have some good content within it. It's just the cadence of its release alongside the way that it was kind of promoted um, and with the way that it's kind of ended up being what it is. And I think that's it, really. It's like, it's not that I don't appreciate or enjoy what is on there. It's just that it's. Yeah, it's 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 been difficult to remain engaged by it, though. That's the thing. I've I've I really I haven't watched, as I said already, I, I hadn't watched any of the content on there for ages. I mean, yeah, I might it, sit down now and watch it all thanks to your recommendations and see how I get on with it. it. It's easy to 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 yeah, it's easy to avoid it because you've got to go sort of out of your way to it. It's not like it's on YouTube and you subscribe to it. You don't yeah. get email notifications telling you new stuff's on it. It's it's hard to even remember where it lives because there's mywarhammer.com, there's warhammerplus.com, and it's in neither of those places. It's actually warhammertv.com. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird way that they've sort of structured it. You know, it's not like it's a Netflix series and it's going to sit in your sit somewhere that you probably check out every day it's you've got to go out your way to 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 do it the other um thing that i finished today was warzone caradon book two uh so i finally finished that off uh this week because uh, i was really desperate to actually for this review say whether it had a satisfactory ending mm. or if it was the cliched cop-out that they uh, often get accused of doing in terms of, um, no, yes, uh, you know, Abaddon's just left Vigilus and he he left, but, um, you know, it was a stalemate victory. No one really wins, uh, no one really loses, uh, tends to be the perceived um, 
feelings uh, how how these campaign books tend to play out. So I was wondering whether that really would be the case uh, or not. Yeah. So how how did it turn out? So spoilers. Um, interestingly, it's uh, Typhus wins uh, by basically uh, getting into Metallica, into like uh, the data core uh, to an extent, I guess, like the, the, where the um, what's he called? It's Kleng, which is the fabricator general of uh, Metallica, manages to get into his control room and insert what's called uh, the worm or w-u-r-m uh, which is effectively a a plague virus into metallica which which corrupts the the planet uh and he also corrupts Kleng as well the the fabricator general um so he turns into this bloated uh monster and um uh, basically typhus then leaves as a sort of um a victor- victorious withdrawal uh, rather than running away, although he's obviously severely, um, his forces are severely depleted as well. And then what happens, they basically say that uh, everything's been corrupted and they have to spend days, if not weeks, uh, basically purging everything, trying to clean the data code of the of, of the of the Forge world. And once they think it's all done, it, it keeps coming back and again, and they actually, and even though the corrupted uh, fabricator general is still alive, they actually kill him basically because he's they can't uh, unpurge him basically without just I guess burning him. Uh, so they do kill him. So basically, it's it's sort of like a, a it spun as a victory for the Imperium because chaos eventually leave the system, but the system is devastated. Uh, to the point where their actual output as a factory, as a forge world, is so depleted they're not really doing anything or contributing to any wider uh, war efforts. Uh, the other interesting uh, thing that happens is uh, the household, uh, like the the night raven, was it the night household ravens? The um, which is a, was it an army of renowned? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was a, uh, it was actually a codex supplement. Yeah, a codex supplement. Yeah. So their their homeworld of Colossi disappears. Uh, basically, Bellacor gets summoned. Uh, I think on that planet, and he actually takes it with him somewhere. It just literally completely disappears. So now they are a. Um, I, I, they, they deliberately say they're not a free blade because he thinks that would be too devastating to the remaining. Um, remaining knights but basically they're effectively a fleet-based uh army now and they're going around fighting where they need to fight but ultimately in search of their homeworld uh, or to find out what's happened to it which i thought mm. was interesting so it was like it it was an interesting way of doing it and it was a little bit like vigilous it was chaos wins but also leaves so you know if you were to play house raven if you were to play uh, Metallica as your army, you still can, but you know, like your homeworld's, you know, been injured and it might not ever recover. So they basically, uh, the Forge World uh, is on the hunt for a cure to cure the planet, basically, that's uh, been corrupted by this code and they don't know. It. Otherwise, it is slowly dying, basically. So I thought it was quite a good way of making it that chaos can win without it completely going well chaos has completely won and taken over the sector 
in a very sort of traditional war type setting because uh, mm. uh, if you just said to them yeah metallica has been destroyed and there's none of them left people would be probably quite upset but at the same time they also did it with cadia and they got away with it and cadians still exist within the law like they've even got their own supplement and stuff quite recently so yeah, yeah i thought it was quite a good way that they did it you, you could argue it's a bit of a cop out because it's a bit of a people win but people don't win everyone well not everyone not the fabricator general most people survived unscathed um but i like that they felt like there was actual consequences uh from it which i thought was good decent yeah no sounds um sounds interesting for sure i think um that has definitely been their consistent issue with a lot of things and i suppose that's one of the uh interesting things with like house raven or forge world metallica is that maybe they feel like with those specific elements that they're able to be more experimental with the outcomes and things that occur to it rather than the named characters and their incredibly enduring plot armor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a small enough sort of faction that you could probably get, probably get rid of them and no, no one would really complain too much because not many people actually play them. Like I, I don't think many people, paint up their ad mech to be anything other than mars uh i'm i'm sure some people do but yeah i I can't say i've seen many uh that would be so wedded to like oh this one's painted house metallica because that's how i play them as opposed to just picking and choosing their favorite one um which would most likely be the case Mm. Mm. um yeah no it's interesting man i mean it sounds like a, a like a cool uh a cool um cool narrative yeah i'm keen to get into the octarius one now and see how that one goes with the tyranids and the orcs mm. Mm. yeah i'm excited to see what they they continue to do with the development of the story it's definitely one of those things where they they are obviously trying to do and trying to create lots of interesting narratives within the broader 40k universe which is which is cool. So, yeah. No, I guess we'll wait and see what happens with them, them orcs and them tyranids as they start to release more of these potentially controversial books. Will that in any way inform your hobby decisions or has that in any way informed your hobby output in the span of 2021? I mean, it's been a fairly productive year for you, right? I mean, you've done a lot of different things i i feel like you've had a lot yeah going on. so um i'm trying to think uh, the, the beginning of the year i was finishing off stuff i started uh, at the end of last year which was my more time more band so i was um working on a few bits for that i'd created my weird rat king monstrosity uh, as well along with um my hand sculpted pig that i'd done uh so those were two things then i basically cracked on with my minotaurs and my 30 intercessors although it was actually 29 intercessors because i'd already done a test mini plus a lieutenant so i'd managed to paint all of those up and that took basically the majority of the year that was well that was a good i'm gonna say two three months at Mm. least i had a break in between as well 
because I was just getting so fed up painting it. I was like, I need a break to do something else. So that's when I did my Thunder Warriors project, which I've, I'm still only like a, a, a touch of the way through. I'm, I'm barely, I've barely started. I've done yes, about, yeah. I think I've done about nine models, all in various stages of completion. I think one's actually finished. Mm-hmm. Is my like test mini in terms of how I went about converting it from Stormcast Eternals. Um, yeah, I've got lots of cool ideas for that, and I really want that to be an army that I can grow uh, next year because I've worked out I need to do between twenty and thirty models for a full two thousand point army. Yes, which is kind of mad, but I well, that's think... assuming that the new <clears throat> Custodes book doesn't alter that in some way oh true in terms of points and stuff yeah but i think yeah. you know because i basically i was painting up the 30 intercessors for my minotaurs and going oh geez this is like a lot of work and then i sort of went down this thunder warrior rabbit hole but basically i discovered if i paint up 30 of them i've got a full army that's playable yeah. it's like yeah. and if i'm putting the same amount of time and effort into painting them it's like oh this is this is doable like this is cool like and i could do it in smaller batches basically i think one lesson i learned from that is 30 models is far too many to paint up as a batch i think i need to do squads of 10 max um i think the most i've ever done is 50 which was from a creek and that was also a similar like hair pulling out experience um but yeah, I think with the with the Thunder Warriors, I might just do a couple at a time, sort of thing, rather than try and batch paint them all at once. Um, yeah, it makes sense, mate. Makes sense. Yeah, and then what else have I done? I did a little test mini of a of, of a Black Templars guy. I did one mini of that that I, I gave away to someone as a gift. Um, I rebased uh, some of my Krieg artillery and put bases on them and repainted them on and updated the painting because a lot of them were my what i would call tabletop standard which where basically i haven't done any weathering effects or uh, weathering powders on them um so i was upping them to that standard for when i um took them to no retreat yeah took them to no retreat yeah yeah that was that was why i did them i also painted up a it was a forge world exclusive mini it was like a princeps uh, guy who's uh, only got one arm and a, and he's holding a little board uh, and I painted him up as for no retreat I ran him as my officer of the fleet and then for the RFW event I ran him as my Tempestor Scion Prime which actually I think works out better because he's actually got the same carapace armor on the front as my mm. my grenadiers who I count as my scions, so I think he's now automatically become my new Tempestor Prime model because actually he looks really cool and fits in with them better than the model I was using beforehand. Um, oh, and then that brings up to my last thing that I'm currently working on, which is my two uh, contemptors, which I was meant to be painting up for the Rapid Fireball Gaming event, but got waylaid somewhat. So. Yeah, I've not actually. Yeah, they they've been sat on my desk for the best part of a, a month and a half, if not more, being unpainted. So I need to actually get back to that, which I will be doing during the Christmas break at some point. I think that's good, mate. That's uh, good, good, uh, good, 
good good uh, list of accomplishments there yeah i did um i did some i did my ho ho hobby vices project so i painted up that box which is the main uh thing from those oh i got my ho ho hobby vices box as well which oh, yeah. was what, what did you receive um it came from switzerland which is so i did pay some uh, customs import duty uh, but the guy actually paid it for me he was like oh i can't have you paying a customs fee so he was really kind um and paid it for me um a guy called benoit um i got uh i got them here some stormcast vigilators i think they're called um for my thunder warriors uh, project yep, yep. a space marine apothecary model um okay. some very nice and tasty swiss tasty. chocolate Oh, okay. Swiss chocolate. Um, and I also got a bits box, which uh well not a bits box, a bits a bits bag, a bag of mm. bits, which is very cool. Loads of really cool little bits like Adeptus Mechanicus Gribblies in there and guns and stuff. Um so I'm looking forward to using those because that's to me that was almost like the best bit because I was like cool, loads of cool, really random bits that are quite hard to get hold of. It's like yeah. brilliant. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Nice. Oh, and a, little, stuff, and a little, like, um, sort of handmade letter type thing, sort of, or, well, printed out, but made to, like, weathered to look old and stuff like, you know, when you burn the edges of the paper and stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, that was, yeah, that was the other bit he gave me, which was really cool. Nice, man. That sounds like a good, uh, a good project to be part of. A good exchange of items. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And I think overall a good year for doing odd projects good like long-term projects like my minor tours as well still doing a little bit of krieg so overall a, a successful year of hobbying that's really great mate that's really really great um no, i'm uh i'm happy for you in in that regards so i think you know for me this year my main hobby output has been this to be honest and i know that's uh obviously equally true for you as well because obviously you know you, you you contribute as much in in that regard but obviously because i get to do a lot of the editing and well because i do do a lot of the editing and stuff it, it's quite a demand on my time so i do find that the podcast has really become you know my main outlet for for, for the hobby i've uh embraced commissions uh this year so i uh commissioned uh phil from rapid fire wargaming to paint me up a dark angel army which i'm really happy with um i myself have been working on painting a gray shields unnumbered sons army uh that has essentially kind of not really come to completion just yet because the deadline that I was working towards wasn't met. And then subsequently I kind of lost, not interest as such, but just lost momentum on that particular project. So that's, you know, waiting to happen at some other point in the future. And then beyond that, yeah, it's just been a lot of, a lot of gaming events, a lot of, uh, a lot of time spent getting under the skin of, of, of the ninth edition rule set and understanding the mechanics of, of, of the whole system and what it offers and 
that's been, you know, it's been it's been an all right year from that perspective. I've definitely been doing a lot of 40k this year. Mm. In terms um, of uh, like games and events, have you got a favorite? Well, I think the one that I had the most fun at was the rapid fire wargaming event. Um and again, obviously I understand that we talk about those guys and their event a lot here and it might seem a bit biased, but it just it just was a fun event. It just it just ticked all of the boxes for me. Um I really enjoyed it. But beyond that Yeah, I mean, you know, I did a bunch of um 40k brawl events that I was either TOing or uh playing in and they were all of a of a good consistent standard they've got a good crew of people who who go down to entoyment for 40k brawl and those guys are all really great and it's a it's a fun community to be part of so I do always enjoy playing at entoyment even if the style of gaming is is very bog standard uh you know gt mission pack 40k which is fine i think um entoyment is a really great facility and there's a good community down there for sure so that's good uh obviously i did the lgt as well um which was fine uh i think my experience of the lgt was very much that i really should have gone there or tried to convince yourself and others to join me for the weekend there. Cause it's quite, you know, disenfranchising when you're doing something broadly by yourself. Not that I didn't know other people there, but you know, obviously the people I know versus people who are legitimately my friends is a, is a very different, very different conundrum. So yeah, it would have been nice had, um, had uh, you guys been able to, come along to that for the weekend. I know you did the the doubles on the doubles. The Friday. Yeah, cuz it was it was nice to play games with Richie there, but it's also it was also nicest afterwards to catch up with like you and a bunch of other people that we knew that were like coming down ahead of the the weekend events. So yeah, I know what you wasn't, mean. Wasn't uh wasn't overly nice catching up with Adam that evening. He was uh <laughs> he was uh he was he was quite uh but yes. but he created the so lean catchphrase. He did. He did the the the, the crazy boy. But um, yeah, so interesting for sure. But um, no, look, I did a lot of gaming. I got some hobby stuff done, which I'm, you know, happy with. I have painted some nice looking minis this year, but definitely not as many as I'd like to have gotten done. But you can't. Win it, win them all, can you? You gotta, you gotta, well, you gotta deal with all the other things. Yeah, th- this is the problem. It's like I'm constantly going, ah, oh, what, what do I want to work on next? Because it is easy to be a bit of a magpie and see the shiny thing in front of you and just go for that, but then you know you've got other stuff to work on. So it's like, realistically, I should just go. I'm going to try and get to 2,000 points for my Minotaur's army, and that could easily take me the whole year uh, of next year to work on. Uh, 
but at the same time i'm also like i really want to do some of my thunder warriors um i've also been looking back at some of my tyranid models so uh, over christmas i've been doing a hobby advent calendar on my instagram account every day posting a different project that i've worked on uh, either this year or in the past and the tyranid one is one that probably went back the furthest back to i believe it was seventh edition when i first started my uh, infamous should we say tyranid army because uh, i did one unit that i painted up of uh, tyrant guard so i posted up that as a photo um, one day and then i dug out my uh, swarm lord and dimacaron base that i had done and i photographed that and put it up as a project for another day and it did actually make me go oh, i should really like they really well painted. I should really do more of these. And so many people actually commented and were like, these are cool. And I was like, oh my God, they are cool, aren't they? And I was suddenly getting the groove back and I was looking on the Warhammer app as like the stats of the Tyranids and going, oh, maybe, maybe I should, you know, cause especially since the new um, White Dwarf's got that um, uh, basically bug uh, giant monster mash list. Um I was like, oh, maybe I should, um, maybe I should do this, but I, I sort of know I need to have some restraints, basically, and and not be distracted by them, and try and actually finish off stuff that's actually literally physically on my desk at the moment that I need to get done, like my contemptors I need to do next. Then maybe a bit more my Thunder Warriors as a treat. Then go back to my minor tours and do I think Blade Guard next and Eradicators. That would probably take me all year, to be fair. Well, yeah, possibly, but I mean, it certainly sounds like a a good uh, a good aspiration, and uh, they were cool looking nids, to be fair, mate. You should uh, you should try and uh, jump in on that bandwagon because inevitably nids will come out at some point during the course of twenty twenty two. So yeah, no, that's true. Well, hopefully, you know, we talked about it a little bit. I might be going full time as a content creator potentially, so maybe I'll actually have more time to paint them up. That is that's exciting, mate. That's, that's my exciting. hope. Whether I actually that'll happen or not, I will budgetary dependent, I guess. Well, I think you've got every opportunity to give it a good go over the next couple of months and see what kind of opportunities or see what kind of output you're able to create and if it is that you get into a good rhythm with it and that you're able to you know, start to start to see uh improvement in terms of your engagement and so on then why not continue to to push on that as an aspiration? And yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely think for someone in your position, it seems like something worth trying if nothing else. It's, mm. uh, it's the, it's the Hellstorm Mikey uh, conundrum where I think Mikey became a full-time content creator because he'd essentially lost his job and was like, I'm going to roll the dice on myself and see what happens. And seemingly it's worked out quite well for him. So no reason why you couldn't necessarily be the same, but um, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty cool, man. Look, I'm going to, I think we're going to call it there. I am, uh, I'm struggling to keep my eyes open. My brain's becoming all foggy, but I just want to say happy Christmas to all our listeners. We have, worked so hard throughout the course of 2021 to bring you this podcast every week 
and it's been something that I'm incredibly proud of and I'd like to assume Phil's proud of it too but no oh, I, I am I am indeed yeah oh, I actually really enjoy it um do, doing it weekly as mad as that um no, as no, mad that's as awesome. that sounds I think there's the thing it's again part of me does and then part of me doesn't I think it's it's more to do with balance right my my struggle has always been that my work is very demanding and and that I'm you know, the, the aspiration around doing weekly content in the course of 2021 was heavily influenced by how the year began, which is that we obviously came into it during a lockdown and that, you know, massively colored the way that I looked at the whole situation and certainly had an impact on time that I had available. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting year. I think, you know, I'm proud of the fact that we did it. I'm consistently impressed with the fact that we continue to output content and that we've maintained a regular cadence of releases, but also been able to stay relatively upbeat throughout. Cause I think that's the, the thing that's really interesting is that, you know, you, you imagine that the fatigue would settle in or the, I suppose the, the quality would, would, would alter, but I think due to how we do it, I think it, it maintains a certain consistency in terms of what we put out there and how we put it out there. But um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm proud of what we've accomplished in 2021. I'm excited to unveil the uh, 40k quiz of the year to everyone next week, noting that unfortunately we still have fallen short of a few of my own quality benchmarks i think uh i have some very high expectations for 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 that output and i've not been able to meet them yet so i'll be interested to hear what people think i think it's better than what we did in 2019 but i think there were a lot of variables that i hadn't been able to appropriately account for which resulted in the overall kind of quality of the the, the content not quite achieving what it was that I wanted to achieve. But, you know, I don't want to be glass half empty about it. I think there's still some really, really great content in that quiz. I think it's still incredibly entertaining and I'm really hopeful that when we release it on New Year's Day, people will really enjoy it. Um, And I think that kind of sets the scene really nicely for what 2022 is going to have in store for us and the sorts of things that we're going to try and do and, how we're going to continue to try and innovate and grow our output, I suppose. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to you, Phil, for helping and contributing and co-hosting and, and, and maintaining the kind of same level of motivation and enthusiasm for this as, as, as I have as well. I think, you know, I think we both pick each other up. I think neither of us kind of wants to let the other one down. And I think that comes across in the way that we approach this stuff. And I think that's really great. Um, But I'm also really grateful to everyone else who contributes to the podcast. Tim, uh, Joe, Richie, uh, you know, these guys are, you know, fantastic human beings. And it's really awesome that they, that they support us and support what we're doing. So, yeah, you know, and obviously more than anything, I'm 
really grateful to our listeners who have seemingly enjoyed what we've what we've done because that's fantastic you know and i'm yeah i'm i'm utterly utterly gobsmacked by how many people are listening to the podcast in 2021 how much it's grown um and how much it continues to grow and that's something that yeah i'm just really uh really happy about so yeah despite being a little bit groggy and a little bit out of my tree right now i just want to say thank you so yeah thank you everyone phil do you want to have any final thoughts on anything pal um well i won't go into quite the epic monologue uh as you but suffice to say yes thank you to um richie uh especially because he does puts all the effort in to do the quizzes uh and tim and joe uh more tim than joe because joe is a um you know he's like our you know what did we call them uh the the, the booty listeners he will drop in from time to time uh but you know we, we do love joe all the same and he's doing really well in his uh job and his own um sort of like uh 40k community pillar of uh, or plonker maybe whichever one we want to call him um success of his own so he's doing really well with all that stuff uh yeah especially to our fans you know it's really cool that everyone um just listening to the show is is enough um i do love it when people reach out to us on social media and i've had plenty of uh friendships and chats with people that's um been really good this year then much more so this year than previous years like that seems to have grown quite a bit um the patreon supporters especially that's also really appreciated like, that's really cool that we've got so as many as we do that's um been quite surprising so that is also um, a great help i think to the general running of the show um yeah so so thanks for listening you know have a good christmas have a good new year uh, and um see you all in 2022 absolutely thank you everyone goodbye bye-bye bye-bye, bye-bye.